0: And we're going to try to keep this at two hours Or as close to it as we can
1: Okay So my goal is to try to get this over two hours Got it No,
2: <laughs> no,
0: no, no It's absolutely not I'd, I'd like to have it not take a week
2: to edit the whole thing Get better at editing, noob No, I mean, I've done it before And you've <laughs> no, I think done it. It, 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 it takes a long time yeah, absolutely. That's why I try not to mess up too often
0: <laughs> uh, uh, Unless we make Major errors <laughs> And then. uh, Like
2: saying something in the Lord of War when it's an HQ?
0: Yeah, like that. Yeah,
1: you know.
2: Can't get everything right.
1: Or most things.
0: Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast. That's now 100% air free. Some restrictions may apply. My name is Rob, Kevin,
3: Dennis, and Richard.
0: And this is episode 192, and we're going to be taking a look—not a maybe—not the the deepest, deepest dive, but we're going to be taking a look at. Uh, Chaos, Space Marines, Codex 2, Electric Boogaloo, and uh, Vigilous Ablaze, the two new books that are now out for pre-order from uh, Games Workshop, and Games Workshop was kind enough to provide us with copies to look at, so thank you to them. Uh, I mention uh, our error rate, because <laughs> last episode, I want to just get right out in front of this. Uh, last episode, we we made a couple of, I'm not even going to say minor errors, There a couple of flubs. And so we had, uh, we had some listeners call us on that. And so it, the... it's the, time to own up. <laughs> it's time to own up. So the two, two errors, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, that we made in, uh, our last episode. And I'm just going to bring them up here so I have the names of the people involved because I, I want to make sure that, uh, they get credit too for correcting us. So. Uh, first of all, our, we had uh, our Gene Stealer cult review, and uh, when we were talking about cult creeds, uh, we mentioned the Bladed Cog, uh, the Cult of the Bladed Cog, uh, increases any invulnerable saves. And we immediately went, oh, pure strain Gene Stealers and Patriarchs with improved uh, invuln saves would be awesome.
3: Except they, they don't get
0: those. They don't get those. In fact, uh, Gene stealer anything with the Gene Stealer keyword, including the Patriarch, does not get the benefit of cult creeds. Right. So, which makes sense. They're not members of a cult, they are the things being worshiped. So, uh so totally makes sense, but that that one uh yeah, that that particular tactic we should not exist. We didn't we were wrong. So, I want to get that one out there. The other had to do with one of our listener mail <laughs> questions and two of us completely screwed up on this one. Yeah. So, uh, one of our listeners wrote in and asked how to fit the Incarn into their army, uh, to be the warlord if they didn't want to use Evrain or the Vizarch and still make it in, or how to fit it into a, an Inari detachment so they could make the army Inari. And, We completely deconstructed the entire (laughs) issue and figured out a way to fit that that unit in with the assumption that it's a Lord of War. I think the listener wrote in with that assumption. It kind of felt that way. Uh, In previous editions, it has been a Lord of War. And because we were so sure of ourselves, we didn't bother cracking open uh, Index Xenos 1 (laughs) to verify that it is, in fact, an HQ now. So... Had it been a Lord of War, we were spot on, but it's not, so we're completely wrong.
2: Except for the one part, Yanari definitely still need a codex. They do need a codex, because
0: <laughs> then, if we had an actual book, we would have looked at that instead. Or if they had an actual book with its own units, rather than just three characters that do weird things to armies, we would have, uh, we would just look there and wouldn't have this complication. But that's on us, that's on us, we screwed up. So uh, I want to thank Samuel Green... Jonathan Stewart, Michael R. Singerling, and Daniel Hawthorne, uh, for very politely calling us out. Very, they were very cool about it. In fact, a couple of them were like, Yeah, I'm sure you've already heard a bunch of email about this, <laughs> which we hadn't, and we haven't. And I think because they called us out and we got, got it in front of it. Uh, and, but I want to just thank them for, for keeping us accountable and holding us at a task. So we're, I, I can't blame anything other than February sucked and our brains hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we're going to as always we you know will strive to do better in the future but uh yeah and if we make any mistakes please call us on it remember uh, you know people write into us as though we are definitive authoritative people and i appreciate that we're four dudes in a basement or three dudes and one guy over <laughs> Skype who is sitting probably in an apartment in uh Arizona
1: somewhere probably yeah, I mean, I'm not in the basement right now. But. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We, we can, we're yeah. no longer
0: four guys in a basement. We're three guys in a basement and one guy in Skype. But, but, yeah, we're just gamers like the rest of you, and we try to do our best, but we screw up sometimes. But, anyway, moving on. Uh, So we're going to be talking about some of the news and some of the new releases that are coming out. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about Shadow Spear as well because that all it's all combined together into the new codex. But uh, first news and new releases, the... Obvious news is, like I said, Abaddon's up for pre-order. New Chaos Space Marine box, multi-part models are up for pre-order now. New uh, Dark Apostle model has been sighted with uh, a pair of Dark Disciples with him. New Terminators just went up for pre, or just were announced for pre-order next week, like just now. Uh, new Havoc kit with uh, all the like. It's two of all the weapon options except for the new uh, Reaper Chain Cannon. There's one of those in the box. But uh, that's a completely new plastic kit, which is something that other than old Metal Havocs years ago, we haven't had any of. So this mm-hmm. is cool to see. Chaos is finally getting uh, a full plastic line or getting there. Uh, uh, some of the models in Shadow Spear are obviously replacements like the, the new Obliterators are in Shadow Shadowspear. Uh, they don't have a multi-part kit yet on the hor- that I've seen on the horizon, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to be similar to the Hellbrute situation from Dark Vengeance, where here's a plastic Hellbrute, and then a few months later, and here's the multi-part you know build your own uh, Hellbrute, however you want to do it. And I imagine oh, the a Blitz will be the same way. But we are getting a full line of Chaos stuff. So that is very cool. very, And it matches the, the more Baroque feel that we got from the models from Dark Vengeance, the new Raptor kits. Anything that's been released from, like, Dark Vengeance onward, this matches that look. So it's good to finally have the Chaos Line getting brought up to a kind of a consistent design level. And I do think it's interesting how they're addressing the – and again, we will talk about this more in uh, in the second part of the show – uh, which also, we're going to try to keep the shows a little bit shorter. I, I know some of you love the three to four hour running range, but let me tell you, it is, it's gotten to the point where it takes me a full week to edit a four hour show. And we love providing the content, but... For those evenings that I'm editing is evenings I can't spend building stuff and playing. And <laughs> yeah, so I, I get why Carl took a break for a while from independent <laughs> characters. But we're just going to try yep. paring it down a little bit, keeping it focused, keeping it sharp. Uh, but no, I'm kind of interested in how they're doing the uh, Chaos Space Marine Codex update that it's basically the original codex with the stuff from Shadowspear mixed in and the stuff from some of the stuff from Vigilus Ablaze mixed in, to the point where they even released a flowchart explaining what you need to do if you are like if you don't have the Chaos Space Marine book, just buy the new one. If you do, um, download this stuff from Shadowspear, and then if you want anything from Vigilus, uh, it's in there as well which I haven't looked at the download that they had for Shadowspear yet. Yes, but everybody I also loves like, flowcharts, they, right? Yeah, the fl- it's better than the which data sheet to use flowchart. It, that's yeah. that's without, <laughs> without question.
1: Well, I did like as well that they specifically said that anybody that bought the uh, digital version of the Codex gets it updated for free. Yes. Um, so I, that, that was a very cool thing as well.
0: And that is true whether or not you... Uh, got the like if you got it on iBooks then they'll they'll just say an i an update is available if you got it like uh through like black libraries like an ePub or something you'll have to download it again but it should be Mm -hmm. uh, like the digital version should be updated uh let's see i'm gonna find because i want to see what's included or i want to see what what is specifically is included in the update for that i can find the because there's some, like I said, there's stuff that's in Shadow Spear. There's also a couple of little gotchas that I noticed, or when I, you know, when we were looking through the the new book, especially when they're doing like focuses on all the various uh, traitor Legions, some of which I think were more focused on those than others, just because, like some chapters, like the Night Lords and the Iron Warriors, actually get stuff in Vigilous Ablaze, and then some of the other. Legions just get stuff that's like
1: tangentially related. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As mentioned, the the Imperial Children, the Emperor's Children one, where hey, here's the Legion Codex. Focus on the Emperor's Children, and we're gonna talk about New Havocs. Which <laughs> okay, it makes sense because they've got the access to the
0: stratagem that lets them shoot shoot an additional time.
1: Sure, but that was the only Emperor's Children specific thing they mentioned.
0: Yeah, just like the World <laughs> no, like, Eaters. What do you get? Yeah. Well, there's new corn stuff. There's new corn demon stuff. O- yeah. okay and there's a a new character with an axe who takes heads okay but what does that do for my yeah. berserkers no you still got the same old models you always had and same rules so that, that was a little odd <laughs> it, it was okay so the data sheets for the new stuff that they have for available for download do not include point costs it's yeah. date it is just the data sheet so um i would say their flow chart is not actually accurate if you have the codex and you want to have and you don't want to have to buy Shadow Spear or if yeah, I own the previous version of Chaos Codex Cast Space Marines, you should get Vigilous Ablaze and then download the Sh- Shadow Spear Chaos data sheets for free. That's great, but it doesn't actually let you play all of those, although some of the stuff is in Vigilous. It's the flowchart is simple. The real situation, a little bit messier, but we'll talk about that. We'll We'll talk about the actual contents of those books later. So something else we uh, mentioned last episode briefly touched on, we we hadn't covered it in news and new releases, is that uh, assassins actually have an updated index now in White Dwarf, which does in fact uh, provide uh, its data sheets, updated data sheets for all of them. It's a full, pretty much mini codex, which makes sense because you've got four units.
2: It makes me wonder if Sisters of Silence are going to get a similar treatment.
0: Uh, Or Inquisition you yeah. could easily get something like this. But yeah, it's, you know, it's got about four pages of general fluff, two pages per of fluff per assassin type. I mean, this is the kind of thing that would have been a free download or not a free, but like a a download on like iBooks or like an ePub yeah.
3: once upon a time. Uh or like a or like the the ca- the Christmas calendar right kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah.
0: Uh, they, I mean, you've got, it, it's like full codex style because then it's got two pages of timeline and events. The army list, Um, you can have a vanguard detachment. You can put a vanguard detachment of assassins together, which uh, has no command benefits unless it contains exactly one of each assassin in it. But it can have no HQ, so they've had that in there. Can't have a warlord trait. Can always be deep struck in. All of them have four up and vulnerable. They're all 85 points apiece.
2: They're stupid that's, cheap. That's a change, I think.
3: Yeah, and and that yeah. includes their war gear. So, oh that's yeah, they nice. are. they yeah. Rex- that's that's a considerable price
2: drop. But that might be to encourage role. people to use all four. True,
0: true. Uh, and then they one of the big I mean, they have stratagems for all the various like. There's two or three stratagems for each assassin house. You know, assassin style. One that's very interesting is operative requisition sanctioned. It costs one or three. One if you're playing match play. Three otherwise which is interesting. You can only use the stratagem if your warlord has the Imperium keyword. Use the stratagem during deployment. Add one Officio Assassinorum unit of your choice to your army. So it doesn't have to fit into your detachments because you've built your detachments before you pay for this, kind of like relics. Although
3: I imagine... Because it's cheaper in match play, you're still going to pay points. Yes, they do do specify
0: that. Remember that in a match play game, you must pay reinforcement points for any new unit added to your army. Right.
2: But I think
1: that's also the reason why they're all now 85 points, because you don't have to specify which assassin you're taking. Yeah, that's good too. You could drop in your anti-psyker if you need it for this game, or just take a vindicare if you want to. So somebody could have all four available and then
2: pick which one. For one command point. And
1: it just adds them to your army during deployment.
2: Right,
0: right. So at that point, your opponent's already looked over your army list. They may have noticed that you
3: have an 85-point hole in your army. Does (laughs) it specify that it can only be used once per game or not?
1: Yes, you can only use a stratagem once per battle.
3: Okay. Yes.
1: So you can put one assassin in your army, right. but that's a, that's a cool that, way to do it.
3: Yeah, I
0: without, like that without having like I only want one. I want a vindicare or I want a colexus because I'm fighting psychers. Because otherwise,
2: you got to put three in there for your right. Vanguard. So
0: it's a really clever way to solve the problem, and you can only do it if you're playing Imperium, or if you're war, you know. And but it doesn't matter which warlord, which Imperium it is. So that is, it's a really clever way to do it. I really like that. I mean the assassins themselves I haven't gone through comparing them with their index like their index imperium two versions.
3: Yeah, I just glanced over them. They I look mostly notice, similar. I, yeah, I didn't notice really any any major differences.
0: But uh I think it's a I really think it's a great way to uh to fit that into an army and it solves the problem of how do you fit assassins in with a battle brothers system and yeah. how do you fit it inside a normal detachment when you can't just do
2: soup. And I like the command point because in my mind, fluff wise, it's like, well, your warlord has said, "Hey, I'm using my command call to call some reinforcements over here." Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, it's it's fluffy, and I guess because in a non match play game, you don't have to deal with a budget exactly. Yeah. You know, having a, a more expensive cost there, it makes it a tougher choice. But whereas in match play, you've already made the choice by, like I said, leaving a hole in your army, not taking as much stuff as you could have otherwise. So I'm glad they, they kind of realized that. But yeah, I I think it's a it's a neat way to address these mini codexes. It does lean more into the uh, plan that, or you know, it does lean more into the theory that uh, yeah, there's not going to be an Imperial Agents book. They'll just release little micro codexes like this.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm all right with that. I am, but
2: I'm not at the same time. Well,
0: this will you know this will be in um, chapter Proof, chapter Proof, Proof 2019.
2: Okay, yeah. then I'll be fine with it in December.
0: Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's available r- It's available right now, and I imagine they'll have it available as a download in a couple of months, like as a, just a PDF. When the sales are. Yeah, and then when it's time for chapter approved, they'll just put it in there. Kind of like they did Renegade Nights.
2: Oh, true, true. I forgot about that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Everyone forgets about Renegade Nights.
2: I know, even though you guys tell me
0: I need to play them. We do, so you don't forget about them. That's how it goes. And we'll
2: get to that in listener mail. <laughs>
0: And they, i mean they even do the like the painting section except they're members of the studio team so it's different painters at GW but yeah having uh having a variety of different assassin styles and they're all done in like different color schemes and, and it's just neat to see the
3: variety of studio painter work they have uh so yeah that's i think that's pretty much it for well another thing that we meant to mention last episode 40k munchkin
0: Ah yes, 40K Munchkin is out now. Uh I have not played it, but I mean it's Munchkin. Yeah. If you haven't played Munchkin by now, the game's kind of
3: ubiquitous at this it, point. Yeah. But yeah. I picked up a copy. I think you picked up I a copy. I did pick Rob. up a
0: copy and uh it, it's basically get your character from level 1 to level 10, kick down the door, fight them, fight the monsters,
3: screw over your friend. friends.
0: Yep. W- including stuff like uh ways to level up like discover a lost Primark. Or, or you can make monsters uh, weaker by having them unpainted.
2: And <laughs> see, the the fun part of Munchkin is actually the the jokes that are in the cards themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Although I would, I'd admit for the most part, this one was act. I mean, it's all art by John Kavalik again, so it looks. It's got that traditional Munchkin look, but otherwise, it it's actually not as goofy as some versions of. It's like they're kind of playing like it, there's some humor and the art is obviously funny, but for the most part, like the war gear, like the 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 items they have and the monsters they have, it just stuff straight from 40k. I mean, like one of the biggest monsters in the game is Mortarian, so uh, and like one of the biggest, or I think Bobby G's in there as well. Um, it, it's just it like I said, it's 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 toned down humor wise, although there's some there. I'm more excited for the first expansion, which is uh, Fire and Faith, which is Tau and Sisters. So it's like they made one for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second one is uh, Sorcery and Savagery, which is Space Wolves and Thousand Sons. Uh, yeah, that one, I'm looking forward to cracking that open some, sometime we get together and just play a round of uh, 40k Munchkin, which it's Munchkin. It should, go, it should go fast. It will be silly.
2: No, it'll take about an hour.
0: Well, I'm com- okay, maybe I'm comparing it to like 40K, 40K games <laughs> or
2: Relic. or oh, and Relic's not short. No.
0: All right, and uh, I think that's about it. So that's going to take us to listener mail. As always, these letters are written by you, the listeners. And uh, if you have a letter uh, you want us to read on the air... Uh, We'll tell you how to get that to us at the end of the segment. Although, I will add the caveat of, as we are trying to keep epi- episodes shorter, we may not get to all mail received between two episodes into the next episode. Just, uh, we will have a hopper, we'll get through what we can, and we'll keep keep it rolling. So, just want to let you know. All right, first up, we've got a letter from Matt Beichert. Matt writes, Hey guys, I know I had already asked a question since the last podcast, but this one came up about the new Assassin Codex from White Dwarf. Running Astra Militarum, and I've already regenerated CP from Kurov's Aquila for the battle round. On my turn, my Vindicare snipes out my opponent's Warlord worth 3 CP as per the priority threat neutralized stratagem. Looking at the beta rules for tactical restraint, the rule reads, quote, this rule does not apply to command points that are gained or refunded as specifically instructed on stratagems feeder tendrils, vect, etc. Can you explain the interaction between these types of rules a bit? Thanks! Okay, so first off, let's read that priority target neutralized stratagem which fortunately, we were just talking about the Assassin's Codex. So that is a 1 CP stratagem for Officio Assassinorum. Use this stratagem after an enemy character model is slain by an Officio Assassinorum unit from your army. You gain two command points or three command points if the character was your opponent's warlord. You can only use this stratagem once for each enemy character model slain. So, this this stratagem, you spend a CP, you get two or three. So, you gain CP... As a result of paying CP for an action you've taken. Now let's read the big FAQ on tactical restraint, just so that we are all on the same page. And uh, we are going to be getting new FAQ th- or big FAQ three in a in a month or so. They they have announced that it is coming, but uh, they are going to wait until after Adepticon. They don't want to throw off Adepticon plus. Whatever situations may arise from Adepticon, gives them, it gives them more data to figure out what they need to address. And, and we had that delay last time. Now they've just kind of worked that delay in. Uh, but anyway, going to our most recent big FAQ, Tactical Restraint. There are several Warlord traits, relics, and abilities that give you a chance to gain or refund command points when you or your opponent either use a stratagem or spend command points to use a stratagem. In match play games, each player can only gain or have refunded a total of one command point per battle round as the result of such rules, regardless of the source. This does not apply to the Moment Shackle or Sevenfold Chant abilities or to the Player of the Twilight Warlord trait. In these cases, the ability warlo- or warlord trait can refund or gain the player more than one command point if the stratagem used costs two or more command points to use. But, once any command points have been gained as a result of the rule, neither it nor any similar rule can be used to gain any more command points for- until the next battle round. Also note, this does not apply to command points that are gained or refunded as specifically instructed on stratagems. Examples, Feeder Tendrils, Agents of Vect, etc. So, tactical restraint is specifically referring to uh, any abilities that gain or refund command points as a result of spending command points or someone using a stratagem and you react to it to gain a command point because this is not that this is a stratagem that gains you command points based on what you do on your like you do a thing, you spend a command point, and the stratagem gives you command points. It's not in reaction to a stratagem being played or a command point or somebody spending command points and then you regenerate based on that. So I would say they have no interaction at all.
3: Yeah. The the way that that assassinorum stratagem is worded, I'm pretty sure is very similar to how like the feeder tendrils right stratagem works yeah. which is the specific example that they give yes
1: yeah i have the feeder tendrils tendril stratagem up right now use the stratagem when a gene stealer lictor toxocrine or venom throw from your army kills a character in the fight phase gain d3 command points so it's so functionally very, identical yeah yeah so yeah and because that
0: is specifically called out as not affected by tactical restraint i would say priority target neutralized would also qualify. It's it's the same idea. You do a thing, you pay a stratagem, the stratagem happens to give you command points. Which also means if you had that happen before you used Kurov's Aquila, you could still use Kurov's Aquila. Because yep. they, these two it does the tactical restraint doesn't apply to that. Now, if you wanted to like you play Kurov's Aquila and I and again, I'm by not being a guard player, I'm trying to remember which one is the when you play a stratagem and which one is when your opponent plays a stratagem. Because there's grand strategist and there's Kurov's Aquila, and they don't do the same. Kurov's Aquila is when they when your opponent plays a strategy. Okay, so if you had Grand Strategist and you played uh, Priority Target Neutralized, you could then try to regen recoup the command points spent on it, and you could had you if you hadn't done it earlier. But yeah, so basically you can always gain points from from Priority Target Neutralized, regardless of whether you've regen one from Kurov's Aquila or Grand Strategist. The, these do not interact. In fact, the rule specifically says anything that just, any stratagem that just gives you command points, uh, doesn't apply. And, like, Agents of Vect, uh, refunds, uh, command points to someone if you canceled their, uh, stratagem and didn't, uh, roll a six. That wouldn't put this, put a restriction like that. So, yeah, uh, the, basically, how do these rules interact? They don't because tactical restraint specific, well, they, if they, if you would say they interact, it's, they interact in the way that Tactical tactical Restraint specifically says it doesn't apply to those. So, yeah, you are totally fine to regain those command points, even if you've already used your Kurov's Aquila. All right, so our next question is from DeGreenskins, and uh, just FYI, we have apparently lost Kevin due to technical difficulties, so he told us to carry on without him. If he can come in later in the episode, we'll bring him back in, but uh, we're going to carry on with our letters. So uh, I feel uh, a bit personally called out on this one, but uh, that's fine. A little bit of uh, commentary and critique is fine, so uh, uh, DeGreenskins writes... Uh, hello, preferred enemies. Uh, today I listened to episode 191, and it seems that Kill Team Arena received a not-so-good review. I feel this was not a fair review, and it missed the beauty of Kill Team Arena. This is a competitive game pack that is designed to help event organizers. The participants need to show up with their own terrain and game boards. This allows the event organizer to just secure the tables and run the event. It is a great format for smaller stores that might not have the terrain or space to store a lot of terrain. This also allows smaller stores like GW Stores an opportunity to run tournaments for Kill Team Arena. I would like to see the same concept used for 40k and Age of Sigmar the players show up with their tournament pack and terrain and the event organizer runs the event. I just don't want people to be turned off by your opinion and to give it a shot So there's a little bit to unpack here and I think there's really two parts of this. One is that uh, the actual Kill Team Arena specific part and the second is how tournament organizers and players interact So, and I know we have some thoughts on that so as far as Kill Team Arena and the expectation that players bring their own copies of Kill Team Arena to an event, and then the store or orga- the the or- event organizer has to do nothing but provide table space, that's a really nice thought. I, I think it, it, and I could see where it would be beneficial to very small stores. But unfortunately, I don't think if Kill Team Arena has that in mind, it is not very clear on that. And where it does mention it, it mentions it very obliquely. So I went back through the book just to make sure that I hadn't missed something. Missed some reference that said uh, players are expected to bring their own copy. Like if you're running a Kill Mm -hmm. Team Arena event, players are expected to bring their own copy. Uh, And after flipping through everything, all I could find was a... Small reference on page the bottom of 58 uh, in the second column under Kill Zones and Missions. Which of the competitive play missions found in this book, pages 22 to 37, is played in each round and er, is played in each round is decided by the tournament organizer based on the Kill Zone game boards available to them. The organizer might decide to instruct each player to bring their own Kill Team Arena game board, in which case the tournament organizer tells the players which mission to play at the start of each round. So, that is that's one reference, and then the only other reference is on page fifty nine. Each player must provide their own arenas, uh, arena objectives deck, and bring it to each game. Though there, there are two of those decks provided in an arena box, it's it's a two player set basically. It provides one set of terrain, two game boards because there are four per, two double sided game boards because there are four possible kill zones you can play in. But from all the sound of this, the idea that the players have to bring their own terrain is not specifically called out. And at best, it's optional. And if you're expecting the tournament organizers to have this, well, they're going to have two copies of an Arena objective deck for each table, each game area. So the players wouldn't necessarily have to have that either, and there's no way to buy that separately from Arena. Also, expecting each player to bring this is going to end up with the odd case where half of them are going to be in use at any given time because any given player, you know, you're going to have two people come to the table, only one will need their stuff. So you end up with a situation where in one case, you have half, half of the players are not using the things they brought. Then also is the expectation that then they pick up their stuff and move it from space to space is because a lot of events use ranked tables. So if I move from table four to table one do I just go to table one and use the stuff that was brought by the player that stayed on table one when they, or that was on table one the first round? Or do they pack up their stuff, I pack up my stuff, and we swap everything around? Which for Kill Team is not a lot of stuff, but it's still a little bit extra time to s- figure out what battle zone you're playing, set up the terrain appropriately. Well, all the terrain
2: should be the same if it's from the...
0: Well, yeah, it it is the same, but at the same time, these are people's private, like, if I'm, if I'm expecting every player to bring theirs, different players are going to... Some people will bring unpainted terrain. Some people will bring basically painted terrain. Some people will p- bring really nicely painted terrain that's theirs, and they want to keep it. And then what happens if that terrain gets lost, damaged, stolen? Stuff happens like that. Or hey, where like one of my barrel sets is missing, and the problem is with arena. Once one of your barrel sets is missing, you can't play arena anymore (laughs) because the terrain has to be defined. If you lose a piece, your your arena set is ruined. It's like a chess set missing a like missing a rook. You you can't use it anymore unless you start using like salt shakers and other replacement parts, and then and then you're going to get complained that well that's not arena. It's not arena legal. If their goal was to make this as everybody brings a copy. It was not well communicated, and again, I think not having the materials separate, available separate from Kill Team Arena is a problem. Like, if somebody could buy an Arena Objectives deck separately, that'd be great. If somebody could buy a set of Arena Terrain, that would be great. But you can't. You have to buy it in the Arena box. Now, how that applies then to larger events, this gets problematic real fast. I don't know. So the Greenskins, I cannot assume one way or another. If you are a turn, if you have been an event organizer, even at a small level event, I just ran an event for uh, one of our local stores. We had eight players show up. I was doing a, a friendly tournament, four four by six tables. So- and I actually brought five tables worth of train just in case we had a little bit over. The store can only handle about five tables right now at most. Mm-hmm. I had the I folded down the back seat in my car and I had the entire cargo area loaded with four tubs of terrain, like big tubs like tubs that you would get from like Home Depot to haul stuff around in. Four tubs of terrain, four mats, plus I had my army and then a bag with all the tournament stuff that I'm going to need, Tour- player packets, tokens, rule books, everything I'm going to need to uh you know, address any issues that might come up. Uh so That's me loading all my stuff in. Now, if I had said, okay, I need everybody to bring a table's worth of terrain. For one thing, I had eight players. I'm going to end up with four tables worth of terrain I don't need and don't have space for. Unless I tell everybody, bring a half table of terrain which is still weird and problematic because two different players may have a different expectation on what a half ta- half table worth of terrain looks like. Um, some pieces may be better than others. Some pieces may be better at blocking line of sight or providing cover. Uh, you know, Different events have very different expectations on what terrain is. What if one of those players had traveled from out of town or was just passing through, wants to get a... Uh, one- finds out there's a tournament in the area. He's got his army with him, but he doesn't have any terrain. Well, he can't play in our event now. He didn't bring any. And and this is just the issues of having a small-scale event. What happens if, while playing on somebody's table, a piece of terrain gets broken? Who's responsible for that? Is the player who broke it responsible for fixing it? Am I responsible for it as the tournament organizer because it's my event and I ask the players to bring it? Um, do I turn away a player because... They don't have enough terrain, or they're a new player and they don't have any terrain. They they just bought like they bought Spear or Dark Dark Imperium, and they've been building their Death Guard or their Primaris Marines or their you know, Vanguard Marines, and they're they've got that built out, but they don't have any terrain. They've been playing at home with like Pringles cans and books. That's just the issue on the small scope. On the large scope, if I'm running a 70-person tournament, or like a 50-person tournament, or a 70-person tournament, or a 100-person tournament, do I... And I have people coming in from out of state, across the country, out of country? Somebody has to fly in? Am I expecting them to fly in a a table's worth of terrain as well? I don't think that's a reasonable expectation. I I get what you're going for, and I don't want to seem like I'm trying to cut you down, because I'm not. But It's one of those things like this is a – it's a really nice sentiment, and I get where it's coming from. But as my experience as a tournament organizer at both small and large events and seeing other tournaments organized and and going to events that are larger than ours, it's a really good idea for maybe small stores. It's not practical. And even like a GW store – GW stores have access to terrain. They can build a, you know, they have access to terrain. They store terrain under the tables in the back room. Uh, one of our local stores has a whole set of shelves for just ha- holding terrain when it's not being used on tables because they do role playing and card games on the same table, so they can't have terrain sitting out all the time. So they do have a storage area for terrain, and for most stores. You don't need a lot of storage. A uh, one set of like metal shells will generally do for the number of tables that you're likely to have. Uh, and you can fit a lot of train cuz train fits into a box if you can figure out how to tetris it all in there. Train fits in a box quite nicely. Uh and, like, one of our friends from the Renegade Open, Nathan Sorensen, is a ninja master at fitting terrain into boxes and getting it pared Indeed down. Indeed he is. Yeah, we, he, he helped us pack up after Midwest Conquest one year. And we're like, we ended up with, like, I think two extra empty tubs or something like that.
3: Yes, and then and then when we packed... Unpacked everything the next year, and then pack tried to pack everything. We back had to up. find two more. Time. We had to we had to find more space because we couldn't do it. Yeah,
0: he he's much better at as that uh than we are. So so, but you can you can figure out how to consolidate that and cut down the amount of space. But yeah, it's. It's really, uh, it's really tricky to expect the players to bring their own terrain. Um, and especially because the quality of the terrain can make a bi- the quality and quantity of the terrain can make a big difference in how the game plays. So, one player may bring a lot of ruins and one player may bring a lot of line, you know, like, Line of sight blocking train, but no ruins. Uh, one player may bring hills because that's what he has and hills aren't really useful in this edition right now. So, you know, it's you're, it's a real going to be potluck situation because unless you then have some sort of check-in where like, okay, show me what you're going to be spending bringing, and then I'll tell you if it's good enough to get into our event, that's not a good feel, good look either. Now, I think there is a middle ground and it's something we have we've been taken part in and we've had people help us out with this is if you have a gaming club or if you run an event and you are going to other events, bring a couple. We've had groups like bring a couple of tables. When we went to iron halo, we brought three tables of terrain down three, you know, mats, three tubs worth of terrain. And we provided, and we spot basically sponsored three tables. So Jason, uh, wasn't on, Jason Horn wasn't on the hook for providing all the tables. We brought three tables. The guys from the Renegade brought a trailer down with some tables. Uh, guys from Flying Monkeys brought tables uh, for our event. Flying Monkeys brought tables. Renegade brought tables. Uh, Minmo Maelstrom brought tables. Peculiar Game and Hobby, the heroic morale group, there brought tables. So in the end, like there were ten tables we didn't have to, of terrain. We didn't have to provide because we had enough groups coming that were willing to bring a couple. So we they could it advertised for their events and it helped us out so that was great so that's the kind of thing that you can that can kind of give you this halfway space if you have people in your play group that can provide terrain sure do something like that but i, I think having every player expect that it, or ex- having an expectation that every player brings that is not feasible for a no- for a number of reasons and even on the scale of kill team it can get messy very quickly. So um, again, while Kill Team Arena, I think, I think it's as a product, I think it's heart is in the right place. I think it's a really good concept and I I get what they're trying to solve. And I think having the information there on just, you know, like four to six pages on how to run a tournament for people who have never done it before is a really, is really good. And it's something that GW hasn't had in a long time, if ever. I don't think this product handles it as well as it could have. And that's my problem. I'm coming at it from the viewpoint of a tournament organizer who is used to having to provide all the stuff because I know players don't often can't bring their own terrain. And so yeah, you know, while Kill Team uses a lot less terrain, um, I, think, I think if Kill Team Arena had been rules to use existing Kill Team stuff rather than custom terrain for just arena it would have been a better product because then it would give you more hit view or like more information on like how to make sure that you're like, here's how to build a relatively even mirrored kill team board. And that's information that could have been useful regardless of what kind of uh, terrain you're using, having mission structures that were more even and less more focused towards match play. That would have been
3: fine. I just think the product itself wasn't well thought out. Or maybe even instead of, I mean it it impacts, you know, the implication, the feel of playing the game. But if the terrain for a product like this had all been cardboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you don't run into that that issue of well, if somebody, you know, doesn't bring in, you know, nicely painted terrain or it is all exactly the same.
0: Yes. Yeah. Then, yeah, everybody brings a set. Also, the box would be a lot lighter, and it'd probably be cheaper, too. Yes. And that was the one of the other issues is right. the cost. Because that's the other thing. It's like, if you're expecting both players to bring their $90 arena set, and one of them's not going to use it all game,
3: they're going to feel like they probably wasted 90 bucks. Right. And parceling this out into individual products would also be? would go a long ways into mm-hmm. helping this product work the way they kind of intended to.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like again, I think the product has it's it's spirit is good, its implementation is what I didn't like and I think yeah, there's ways that they could address this in the future or like take the existing product and break it out a bit more and yeah. and and then have and still have the same feel but just make it easier, but for like right now for for somebody who's looking to run like yeah, for a small store maybe this is maybe it's a viable plan, but like if I'm wanting to run like a 20 person kill team tournament, I'm not going to buy $900 worth of arena sets to handle it. I just can't. So, all right, next up is from Paul Winters. And, Dennis, you're tagged in on this one because it's Lanesh time.
2: I know. When this one came in, I saw it and I, was, I I felt really giddy. I was like, oh, my gosh, someone else in the world actually plays Slanesh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and apparently they're having about as good time of it as you are. Yeah. So, so here, here we go. This is from Paul Winters, and he writes... Good afternoon. My name is Paul Winters, and a couple of my friends suggested your podcast, and I have instantly enjoyed the past few sessions y'all have put on. I was told, and I also can't recall which one of you guys is a Slanesh player. That would be Dennis, although I dabble a bit. Uh, I have been playing with my favorite purple demonette since the beginning of 8th, and they are my favorite. I once owned nine secret Chariots and played with them routinely before the Rule of Three came out. This brings me to my dilemma and requests some help. I love my Slanesh, but I can't seem to win. Don't worry, neither can Dennis. <laughs> I am interested in trying something wicked awesome out, like two or three castelins or all Eldar flyers, but my friends accuse me of netlisting. I'm caught in the middle of sticking with my hella cool army I enjoy but don't win often, or picking an army I'm accused of being a netlister. What would you guys do? Man, uh,
2: this seems like it's right to me <laughs> as a question.
0: Yeah. Uh, I sent a current list I've been using. I've been trying to run, a, or I have been running a brigade. For HQ, three her- her- three heralds of Slanesh on exalted chariots, trying to make do with all the chariots I own. A keeper of secrets. Six units of demonettes. Three, uh, three out of twenty-five with all the attachments. Two uh, of twelve for backline support of summoning and uh, backline support or summoning. And then one unit of ten. Three units or three fiends. Three hell Two exalted secret chariots and three secret chariots. Thank you guys for
2: all for all that you do. And note, there's eleven chariots in that army. Yeah. Okay, well, well. First off, thank you for giving this list because, as Rob said, um, I've taken Slanesh now twice to Iron Halo. The first time I actually did pretty well. Um, the second time I got the Iron Spoon, now Iron's Wooden Spoon,
0: <laughs> and they were same editions, right? Uh, did you play it? Is it twice with Eighth Edition, or was it yeah, this was this
2: was both Eighth Edition? Yeah, but the difference was. Everybody else's Codex has got better and all I got was point drops except for the Well,
0: your Codex desert, wasn't you know, even out yet at the at the first time
2: you did this. Okay, true is the index, you're right. Yeah. But so so I always thought one of my issues was um, Slanesh has a weakness in this game. It's called bullets. And most every other army I haven't run into an army that doesn't use bullets. And if someone uses bullets, Slanesh demons just kind of fall down. So I was thinking in my mind, well, maybe my problem is I don't have enough armor. Your list actually has armor because chariots all have four-up armor. So if you're having the same troubles, then thank you for letting me know that chariots is not not the, the solution. It's not the solution. Also, chariots are very wide and big and some of the tables where train is. They can't really get to upper areas or stuff like that that just normal demonettes can. Mm-hmm. My thoughts um, would be maybe drop the brigade and just go down to a battalion and a um, supreme command because HQs are pretty much where Slaanesh has all the best stuff. Right now, Well, other than maybe Soul Grinders, which people tell me I need to use, or Splash in a Renegade Knight, which people say I need to, but I'm like, no. Uh, but the, that's the problem I have, is hitting it with heavy hitters against Slaanesh. Um, and the best things I've had for that have been Demon Princes and Keeper of Secrets. Mm-hmm. More so the Demon Princes, because they actually have armor. The Keeper of Secrets with no armor and only a five-up in bone, it, it dies so quickly.
0: It does. And, and that's one of... The- the things about the about 8th edition is volume of shots will get the job done on about anything.
2: And especially if you have no saves, really.
0: Right, yeah, but I mean, like, you can take down custodes with num- with volume of shots because eventually somebody's going to fail a 2-up save. With, yeah, with demons in general, throwing enough 5-ups, you know, throwing enough shots up there, you'll wipe out even a big unit because 5-up only saves a third of the shot.
2: Right, and especially if, like, you get hit with four last cannons, you'll save one of the three. And then you'll
0: take 3d6 damage. Right,
2: and then you're dead. Yeah. So, I mean, Slanesh really needs to either better saves, because I remember Harlequins had the exact same problem. Harlequins, before 8th edition, were 5-up Mm-hmm. They got upgraded to 4-up in vote, and suddenly they became competitive. So, that might be one thing to look at. Or the other thing is, Slanesh needs a different ability trait, Because their, I always go first is nice, but if you're charging other people, you're going first already anyway. Yeah. And if you're playing against someone who knows what they're doing, if they're going to charge you, they'll only charge you with one unit, so they'll go first. And then, oh yeah, you could go first now, but they have no one else to attack with, so Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't help that, uh, I mean, stratagem support, you don't really have a lot in the Chaos Book that's Planesh specific. Um I mean, Slanesh demonettes, a big blob of them will do some real damage if, if they can they get, get there. there. Yeah,
2: because that's why you need the Keeper of Secrets, because the Keeper of Secrets gives you that leadership bubble where you can use leadership 10, which 10 is much better than 7. Yes. And all the other Horde armies... Um, yes, yeah, has two problems is one. Unlike other Horde armies, you have no way to, like, instantly pass morale or something like Shorter that. Shorter burning command points. Shorter burning command points, Right. The other issue you have, and I'm looking at, like, orcs and tyranids on on those, (laughs) because...
3: Yeah, I know.
2: (laughs) And then uh, I'm going to look at Banshees and Witches on the other side of it is those two armies have ways to deliver your troops up there, be it you move faster or you just hop in some vehicles and Mm -hmm. go. Slanesh doesn't have that for the demonettes. They just have to run up there and hope they don't get shot. Right. Um, So you can try screening with other units... But like I said, even the other units only have a five up end bone, they get shot. Because yeah. I know Rob and I, I run a bunch of seekers, and I I like them more than the chariot. Even though the chariot has the armor, the chariot has like the cool I ram into you, you take mortal wounds. But the seekers being able to re-roll your charge distance and just being insanely fast, you can get a first turn charge off them unless your opponent plays defensively. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that even is you don't have anything to follow it up with. Yeah. So that that's problem one is is just getting your units up there to be in melee where you are at your best. Yeah. The other one is dealing with big things. I'll uh, say like a knight or just a large vehicle or something. I mean, even with the heralds giving plus one strength, the chariots are still going to be like only five strength.
0: Yeah, you're still going to be wounding on fives at best. Right.
2: So the best thing there again would be demon princes. Because Demon Princes have a starting strength of seven. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even the Keeper Secrets with their strength of six is nice. And also, both the Demon Prince and Keeper Secrets have good toughness. I, I like the Demon Princes better because one, they can hide because they're under 10 wounds. Mm-hmm. And two, put wings on them. They move fast as your, your chariots would. They're more expensive point wise, but they've got the armor. They've got the strength. They've got higher toughness. Yeah. And you can like give them a relic weapon because they're a character and they're just nice all the way around. Other than there are no GW really demon princes that look slaneshi.
0: No, nah, I mean it comes down to paint job or conversion bits at that point. Exactly. Or third third party model. There's some really good third creature caster makes some fantastic creature caster
2: part- makes amazing ones. If you want to look at them, yeah. That easily pass for Slaanesh.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you want a boob snake, they got you covered, but I mean, they've got a lot of other options they've as well. They've got other options too. Uh, uh, one thing I would say as somebody who, like I said, I dabble with Slaanesh from time to time. In fact, my next Chaos Army that I'm working on, actually I'm going to be using my Shadow Spear stuff to do it, is expanding my Emperor's Children. I would almost recommend seeing if you could fit in, especially now that Havocs are upgraded and there's a new Havoc Sprue. you've got... Plastic options there with weapons like las cannons and missile launchers and the and auto can hear me out. I see it. Dennis is already like not quite rolling eyes, but kind of like, hey, man. Hear me out. I'll hear you out. Okay, because we obviously we've talked about the idea of throwing soul grinders the, into the a demon
3: The world. answer is, Dennis, play a different army. No,
0: no, no, no. <laughs> no, we'll get to that
3: part of the question in a minute. Uh,
0: but no, the answer is not necessarily play, play a different army, but like like you you said you know build a a build a battalion rather than a brigade have the battalion be focused on like your your demonet squads you know like three big squads of demonets or whatever you have points for, and maybe have a supreme command detachment of keepers of secrets and demon princes totally fine have maybe bring in a spearhead detachment with one chaos lord or a you know whatever you wanna have as far as um your uh, your HQ. There's plenty of choices. And then a couple of units of like three units of Havocs or a couple of Havocs units and some obliterators or something like that to provide that. That'll help you deal with, have punch against large targets, which is an issue you have depending on how you equip those Havocs. They can also, some of them have can put out a ton of shots down range, which will soften up targets so that you won't have as many bullets coming back at you and when you get there, you can probably wipe the unit and then pile into something nearby rather than be stuck in if you can't finish them off in a turn. So I'm just saying...
2: No, and those are good points. Playing There's
0: the- a lot of armies these days that have trouble playing pure this or pure that. And we've talked about this <laughs> a lot. And it frustrates right. people because you used to be able to play right. pure this or pure that. And I think the addition... I, I don't want to throw it all at knights, but the addition of knights and other lords, like big lords of war options, has really changed the field. Yeah, and it's and those armies that can only just survive on a flurry of attacks. And yes, as I said, a lot of shots will eventually bring something down. But like, if you look at how many lasgun shots it takes to bring down a knight, yes, it can happen. But by the time you get that many shots in, the knight is in your face, <laughs> yeah. and killing you.
2: <laughs> so two things I'll say to that. One, yes, the, my only negative about your suggestion is it's not pure Slaanesh, which we've, we've well, talked about that.
0: Emperor's Children, everything's got the Slaanesh keyword.
2: Mm, okay. Everything's not Slaanesh demon. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that, that, that would be a good way to kind of provide punch because Slaanesh is other, they don't have guns. Other than a soul grinder, you have no guns to really shoot with. Smite is your, your shooting face, so to yeah. speak. Um, the other one you mentioned, Lord of War, Zerac is amazing. Yeah Neil is overcosted. way overcosted just because it's cute to do it. and GW. Forge World, please look at that and fix her. Points are supposed to be for something competitive, not for your cutesy. hey, she's 666 points. Isn't that funny? It would be funny if she was pointed out to where all of her skills and abilities made her worth that much. because uh-huh. how much are Castellans? Oh, like six hundred some points. Right. She is definitely not as good as a Castello. No, 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 no. not even. Remotely. So please, either drop her points or make her as good as a Castellan. Like maybe with a three up invone save all the time, two up invone and in melee. That would be a, a one thing. I mean, no, but yeah. Or she's about if she was around four hundred points, I would say include her in every list for Slinesh. Yeah, because then she is just amazing, and she's got that aura that the keeper secrets have to kind of keep your demonets in check. Yeah. And she doesn't die because she's got 20, 24 wounds. It's either 24. I don't have the, I brought the wrong index down here, (laughs) but she's got over 20 wounds. So she won't die to a few last cannons, like a keeper secrets would. Right. So
0: Uh, one thing I'm also going to recommend for that Supreme command attachment, a trick that not everybody realizes. some people do, and it, it is actually really useful um when you build your supreme command detachment of demon princes and like keepers of secret keeper secrets, if you're going the route of i'm gonna throw in a spearhead detachment of, of havocs because I need some guns to actually deal with stuff so take a sorcerer from your army that has warp time as as a because it's you know takes warp time and then when you build your supreme command detachment, don't take demon princes from the chaos book. Take them from Chaos Space Marines because then they have the Heretics of keyword, and you can use Warp Time on them to slingshot them forward.
2: Oh, wow, that would be because li- they already moved fourteen with wings.
0: Yeah, and now you get them to move again. You just have to stay close to them. But uh, uh take a sorcerer on a jump pack.
2: Uh, they have jump packs or discs or jump packs, I guess.
0: You're uh, you're thinking aspiring sorcerers from Thousand Suns?
2: Oh, probably.
0: So those are the only
2: sorcerers I know.
0: Since we can now officially talk about this, it's legal. Uh, I've got the second Chaos Space Marine book. Uh, cracked open a sorcerer can take a jump pack which then lets him move 12 inches yeah a demon prince uh you know they move 12
2: okay so they move oh it must be the cavalry that move faster yeah so
0: so but yeah take the demon prince because he's got the heretic astartes keyword which allows you to use the uh dark hereticus discipline and you can warp time him because you have to pick a heretic astartes unit So, like, have the sorcerer in the movement phase jump up with the demon prince and then sling him forward another 12 inches. That'll get them there real fast.
2: Yeah, and then it'll be something else for other people to deal with rather than shooting your demonettes. Exactly. So, uh,
0: just because... And you're like, well, how does this work? Because you can't do soup. Slanesh is a faction keyword. Allegiance is a a faction keyword in Chaos Space... Or in uh, Chaos Demons. And... In this book,
2: yeah, faction keywords. Yeah, Chaos, when you include Slanesh a demon, demon prince
0: in your army, you must choose which of the four Chaos gods it owes the allegiance to: Khorne, Nurgle, or Slanesh. It then gains the appropriate keyword.
2: Yep, and yeah, because Chaos, Cause Slanesh, and Demon are the keywords for your faction.
0: Yep, which is why you can have like uh, Mortarian in a Supreme Command detachment with stuff from Chaos Demons because he has the he has the Nurgle keyword. You make a Nurgle detachment
2: gotcha. So yeah, that would definitely be one way to kind of add some punch to it. And then I guess are we ready to go on to the other half of the question?
0: Yeah, like about netlisting.
2: Yeah, well, okay, so I play the National does not do well. I also play, well, Eldar and I've picked up Koste- I picked up a few things. My take on that is I wouldn't say just if you especially if they're accusing you for for netlisting or anything, just find something that looks fun to you, either to play or to paint or to model, just one of those things, and just kind of make it your alt army. So that way, you have slanash that you still enjoy, but you'll have this alt one that, and if you if you have a reason for liking other than it's going to win, people don't accuse you of netlisting if if you've got like reasons like I like the way the models look, I like the fluff of this army, mm-hmm. and if you kind of do that, because I mean, when I got started in Eldar. I mean, I got accused of just going with the fluff. Because at the time, Eldar was like top tier. Uh-huh. I mean, they're still almost there. But but I was like, no, I really like jet bikes. Uh, that's why I'm playing them. Yeah, And I still have all of those jet bikes, even though they've gone through their highs and lows. But it's just find something you like. I mean, you can even still paint it purple. I mean, yeah. my Eldar are purple, just like my Slanesh. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> And th- if you like it, you'll enjoy playing it. And... You can't get accused and, of...
0: Yeah, and, and also, like, if you have... You, you think about why you're playing. Are you yes. playing because you want... Like, am I bringing an army because I want to be able to win competitive games? Or am I bringing an army because I enjoy playing it? If you enjoy playing an army, you're going to bring it even if you go 0 and 5. Look at me. Look at Dennis. We've both done that. We, I went 0 and 5 at Show Me Showdown. You went 0 and, 0 and 5 at Iron Halo. Did you have a bad time playing?
2: And I enjoyed it and I got a spoon for it too. Yeah.
0: I, I, <laughs> the only reason I didn't get dead last at Show Me Showdown was because of my painting score. That's what kept me from dead last overall. But I, I, I ha- can
2: help you out on that one if you need. <laughs>
0: but I was, I, and I brought, I brought Tau. I brought what I thought was a passable Tau list and I got some bad matchups and early on and I made a couple of mistakes and yeah, I, I paid for it. But I had fun and that's, uh, I, I want to to have a good time, play some games. If I win, great. If not, whatever. If you want to bring an army because you want to win, then figure out what army out there that appeals to you want to win. And if somebody says, well, you're just netlisting. Well, you're basically tell them, well, maybe I am. Maybe I'm looking at what's doing well, and I found one that appeals to me, and I'm going to go for that. Although I would hold off on a Castellan until you find out what happens to them in big FAQ three, because I imagine we might see some tweaks, but yeah, I, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with finding a list out there that is, that is doing well and that appeals to you and having that, but don't necessarily get rid of your slash, have it on the side and find friendly events, find casual events, find you know, or maybe just bring them out sometime. But don't be afraid to do some tweaks. Hey, if you want a Castellan, throw a Renegade Castellan into your slanesh list. It's about the same cost as Arachnail, and we'll get a lot more work done.
2: That still makes me sad. It's true. Admit well, it. I know it's true. <laughs> and that's why I'm, I'm I'm stating my case to Forge Rule to try and, like, <laughs> please fix Arachnail.
0: Yeah. But uh, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking a taking a list because you're going to, like, if you're going to a big tournament, and you want to do well, or if maybe it's just like your local scene, and you want to kind of mix it up because like I'm not having any luck with this, I'm gonna set it aside for right now. And I, but I want to keep playing, so I'm gonna do something like this. Oh, I, I want to play an Eldar. Now I would say two or three Castellans is a bit cr- a bit
2: crazy, and the uh, same with an all Eldar flyer list.
0: All, well, all Eldar flyers has a a weakness of event. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean that uh, an all Eldar flyer list lost. <laughs> lost LVO or not, not all Eldar flyer, but once the flyer material.
2: Yeah. Once your ground support's gone, you, you're done.
0: You're done. Or you just can't hold objectives, you know, in an objective based game. But I mean, find something that appeals to you. And if, and you think it's going to do well, go ahead, take it. That's fine. Go nuts. Have fun. Don't, don't feel bad about that. And if you have a letter you'd like to write to us, whether it's a question, a list review or uh, critique, commentary, corrections, uh, hopefully fewer of those as we go on, but, um, there's a number of ways to get that to us. Uh, first off is um, our email. Our email is our first names at preferred So Rob at Kevin at Dennis at Richard at preferred Uh also there's we have a Facebook page, Facebook.com slash preferred enemies. Um uh that you can like us there we post like we share news post things we're uh working on uh episode updates things like that uh you can like us there send us a message uh we also have a uh we also have a twitter that is preferred enemy singular at twitter uh you can uh, and we we post updates there as well and uh so we take all the questions we have uh between after each episode we put them into our list and we'll try to get to them in the order as we can uh within the realms of how much time we have per episode uh also we have a patreon if you want to help support the show uh if you like what we're doing and uh you feel like uh you wanna help support us helps keep our equipment updated helps get us to events uh helps us uh pay for swag for for listener or for our patreon supporters I think our next one may be uh maybe uh Objective markers. I think, uh, we've got a good source on doing some really nice looking, uh, acrylica objective markers that we might be putting, making available to our listeners, uh, if all things work out. But, uh, anyway, uh, so, you know, perks like that, we won't, we won't be locking any of our shows behind a paywall, um, just because, you know, we don't want that to be an obligation. But uh, if you want to support the show, uh, just think of it as an online tip jar. Throw us a buck a month if you want. And if enough people throw in a buck, it all adds up. Uh, You can find that at patreon.com slash preferredenemies. Uh, So we're going to take a break for sponsor identification. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about all the new chaos books that have been coming out over the last week or so, or will be coming out in the next week. See you in a bit. Miniatures,
2: we build them, we paint them, we love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where KR Multicase comes in. They offer a
0: complete model storage and transport system.
1: They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard sized miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models.
3: KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to
2: protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting
1: your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army,
3: or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase case has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com.
0: KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do
1: you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from Game Mat. Their professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table
2: needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a game mat mat
3: to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't
2: have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming
1: table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve.
0: And we're back, and so it's time to... Dig into our main topic, which is a look at all the stuff that has come out uh, since our last episode for Chaos specifically. I'm talking uh, Imperium Nihilus Vigilus Ablaze, part two of the uh, Vigilus campaign uh, books uh, you know, with all the rules for the campaign system and, and new stuff for Chaos. We're talking Chaos, uh, the Chaos Space Marines version two codex. And also Shadow Spear and the Codex Kin that was included in it, which is all actually rolled into I think both of these books kind of a lot of the stuff is in here. Uh, specifically, Chaos Space Marines Book Two does have all the stuff from Demonkin in it. Although I did notice an interesting little error, which or possible but something's wrong. I don't know which book is is correct or not. So uh, one of the interesting things. Interesting things about Shadow Spear, and I didn't bring the Shadow Spear book itself, but there is a small campaign book that is included in there. Includes a very basic kind of branching tree campaign where you basically it's it's meant to use the two forces from Shadow Spear, but they do leave it open-ended to say, hey, if you just want to use this as a campaign mission, you can use it. If you want to do it as a historical campaign mission, here's the units that you would use based, you know, from Shadow Spear. Uh, And then basically, like, okay, so does Chaos or Space Marines win? Okay, then you play this mission next, and it branches out that way. So having a a campaign system in a box is kind of nice. About the only thing that box is missing that a pair of new players would need would be dice and a measuring stick. It's got the standard core rules flyer in it. It's got two codexes. It's got all the models that you need for those armies. Um, I guess you'd need clippers and glue, but, like, so does Dark Imperium. Uh, so, you know, that's a that that's an assertion. I'm actually almost kind of surprised they didn't throw dice into it. Uh, but uh, we're here to specifically talk chaos. So Demonkin, like the storyline on, on Shadowspear is that it's kind of a side campaign to Vigilus, like kind of a, a forge world that was overrun by the forces of chaos and is now being used to make demon engines. They've got something big planned. Uh, the Some of the new Vanguard space marines were sent there to find out what's going on, and disrupt it if possible. And so the campaign kind of covers what happens there and how that plays out. Uh, Minor spoilers, uh, Space Marines don't end up doing so well in the end, which is surprising for Ultramarines. They're normally Mary Sue's a bit. But I will say the new models, including the the fixed Monopose uh, space- Chaos Space Marines they have in there are are pretty cool looking, but the new multi-part kit that is coming out looks re- even better just because of the options. But all the models look really good. The new Obliterators are really nice. They're on 50 mil bases, so they're they're bigger than Terminators. They're kind of bis- big and fleshy. They've got the right feel. The uh, new Venom Crawler is pretty interesting looking. Um so, and it's all meant to be done in Black Legion colors because this is, you know, this is part of Abaddon's crusade against the Vigilus system. Which it turns out, uh, in Vigilus Ablaze, this is all about trying to find a way to close the uh, the gauntlet that is cuts through the Great Rift. So, if he can manage to close it from one end or the other, which one end happens to be Vigilus and the other end is Sanguitara if he can close it from one end or the other, he can cut off half the Imperium and then basically raid it at his leisure, or cut off half the Imperium supplies and then go after Terra, which is probably his main plan. But uh, so this is where he's getting things made for that campaign. The one unit that got really upgraded in that in this one is the Obliterators. The new Obliterator models, like I said, look fantastic, and Obliterators got generally better ish. I say better ish because I mean they. I still don't like how they've done how they do their guns because it used to be you could actually like hey I'm going to use a Laz Cannon this turn I'm going to use a heavy flamer this turn uh, now it's just you get you'll use a random gun and you'll like it and by random I mean it's one gun with random stats every time you use it
2: it's like you roll a d6 and
0: a roll a d3 so that's
2: not as bad as if it was a d6
0: yeah so you roll three d3s so. The strength is six plus D three. The AP is minus D three, and the damage is D three. But it's a fix. It's like not D three damage, but it's whatever you roll in the D three is that damage for all the shots that has.
2: That's actually not terrible. It's not terrible.
0: I mean, like the example they have is if you roll a one, a three, and a two, you end up with a strength seven, AP minus three, damage two.
2: That's kind of nice.
0: So, and it's you you roll it as soon as they are chosen to fire. So you at least get to find out what the stats are before you pick
2: a target. That's okay. that's that makes it even better.
0: Yeah, because otherwise, like if you had to like when you actually resolve the shots, do roll the D3, it's like, I'm gonna shoot at a I'm I'm gonna go ahead and shoot it that night. Oh, my guns are only strength seven now. <laughs> so the unit used to be power level ten, it is now power level six, but that's because When it was power level 10, it was three obliterators. Now it is one obliterator that you can get up to three. They also have one extra toughness and one extra wound.
2: Oh, nice. It sounds like they got a well-rounded upgrade. Toughness, wound, and weapons.
0: Yeah, well, the weapons are... Uh, the weapons stat line is the same, except it's now Assault 6 instead of Assault 4, so two extra shots.
2: Oh, that's an upgrade?
0: Yeah, and they got uh, actual melee weapons as well. They, their fists, instead of being just generic close combat weapons, are now Strength plus 1, AP minus 1, D3 damage. So they're actually a threat in close combat, because Strength 6, AP minus 1, D3 is not bad uh but if you're sending these guys up to punch things you're probably doing it wrong you can deep strike them in which they always had they have death to the false emperor so if they do get in close combat they might against the imperium they might get extra swings but yeah they've got a better stat line uh they did go up in cost maybe you may be wondering maybe. why I say maybe so in the codex heretic astartes demonkin uh Obliterators are, are models per unit 1 through 3 and cost 115 points per model. Uh but their guns are free, their weapons are free, so it's just 115 points. In the new Chaos codex, they have the exact same stat line as they have in this. However, they didn't update their points value at all. So in the codex they are 65 points but 3 per unit, which is their old cost. So it's something one of these two is correct.
2: I'm guessing the pamphlet one I'm guessing the better.
0: pamphlet one, which means they're probably going to have to issue a day zero errata for this book, which is a shame because I think sixty five points for a killer obliterated would be awesome but because <laughs> it's way better than it used to be and, and the the uh demonkin mini codex is all built around buffing up things with the uh demon trait or uh summoning things uh. Like the Master of Possession uh, knows powers from the Malefic d- Discipline, which is a new one, which is included in the new uh, Chaos Codex, um, which uh, lets you summon units, during, summoning units of demons uh, during the psychic phase and roll four dice instead of three. And you don't suffer any mortal wounds if you roll doubles or triples. So you can actually summon a pretty d- big demon. Although, remember, in match play, you must have points set aside. So if you wanted to, you could try to play a small demon can force and then use your uh, chaos demons that you have just sitting aside and uh, you know build your army as you need to on the fly. So there's a power called Sacrifice, which is warp charge four, so you almost can't not cast it. <laughs> but you pick a model within two inches of the Psyker, that model suffers a mortal wound, and then you pick a demon model within 18 inches of you from your legion so like a demon prince or an obliterator demon engine something like that that model within 18 inches they regain d3 wounds and if it was a demon engine and the model that you that you chose to inflict the mortal wound on was a friendly warp smith (laughs) the so if you take this life from a warp smith you put it into the demon engine the demon engine just regains three wounds instead
3: hey a reason to take a warp smith no, there's not. No. <laughs> not yet. The, mm-hmm. oh,
1: oh, we
0: forgot to mention the Lord Discordant. Oh, yeah. What happens when you take a Warpsmith and strap him to a Mauler Fiend? <laughs> you get a new unit with a Bale Flamer on it. Let's see. A Mutated in- Invigoration, uh, Warp Charge 7. If manifested, select a friendly Chaos Spawn, Legion Possessed, or Legion Cult of Destruction, which is going to be Mahlerf- uh, Mutilators or uh, Obliterators. Uh, within 18 inches of the Psyker until the start of your next Psychic phase, that unit will gain a bonus depending on what unit it is. So, Chaos Spawn either get to re-roll the dice when rolling up their ability, their mutated beyond reasonability, uh, re-roll the dice when rolling for the num- the attack's characteristic of Possessed from Writhing Tentacles, or uh, re-roll one of the dice when rolling for Strength, AP, or- and Damage for uh, Mutilators or Obliterators. Okay, That wouldn't be bad, parking them near some obliterators and just, like, I'm just going to buff them, make sure that they're consistently decent. Hey, Cursed Earth, that's an old one that's come back. (laughs) Uh, Warp Charge 7, the invulnerable save of friendly demon Legion demon units is improved by one to a maximum of three up all within six inches of you. It's stuff like, it's all about, like, buffing up demons, creating demons, doing stuff with, with, like, demon engines or stuff like that. So if that's, kind, if you want to go, like, Iron warriors with a master possession might not be the worst thing in the world. Could totally work. And they've got their own warlord traits. Um, they printed the legion traits for them so that you could do, if you want to do a uh, emperor's children, uh, shadow spear force or a black legion or night Lords, you know, what have you. Otherwise chaos space Marines, they're pretty much the same. There are greater possessed, which increase the strength characteristic of demon units with the same legion and mark of chaos within six inches of Of a greater possessed, so if you want to go possessed heavy there's a unit there i don't know if I would say they're amazingly good, but it's a it's an elite you can drop into your army for seventy points oof that's a little, that's a little harsh, although they don't have like they're they're a bit more consistent at least than possessed yeah, possessed have the writhing tentacles, so you find out how you roll a d three to find out how many attacks they have uh, greater possessed just have five attacks.
3: Just straight up, a passable single melee that is, character. That is greater by comparison.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yep, it sure <laughs> is. <laughs> so it, it, but it's basically like kind of having a a buff. It's like a lieutenant for possessed, if <laughs> if that's your thing. But uh, I mean, really, people are going to be looking at uh, Vigilus Ablaze a lot for some of the new stuff there, uh, if the the campaign system uh, go back and listen to our vigilus uh Vigilis defiant book review because it's basically the exact same campaign system which it's nice it doesn't say refer to Vigilus. so if you just want this book for chaos stuff you get the the whole campaign system there they just changed changed around the missions a bit and the phases but otherwise the rules for it exactly the same there's a a set of new uh crucible of war and echoes of war narrative missions you know, lots of, lots of options there to, you know, put together a campaign. New battle zone, battle zone spaceship. So if you want to set up a board that is supposed to be a the interior of a ship, because uh, the battle that took place on the Bridge of the Laurels of Victory was extremely per- perilous because there could be hull breaches. Players cannot use any units with the flyer battle role in this battle zone because you can't fly your jet around the, <laughs> the interior of a spaceship. Right. In addition, models cannot be set up in locations such as high altitude transports, low orbit, clinging to an airborne Haridan, or any other location that suggests that the unit would descend from the skies or burrow from underground. Definitely a narrative mission thing. You can't really do that competitively, but the battle zones aren't meant for competitive anyway. Right. But uh, low ceilings each time a unit with the fly keyword moves in the movement phase, they might sort of suffer mortal wounds as they bump their heads. <laughs> 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 just fun stuff. So actually there's a, there's a lot of battle zones in here. They have a speed wall battle zone uh, war zone for like all the individual like areas of fighting on Vigilus, And then we get into like the chaos rules. There's Abaddon, the despoiler, the Lord discordant. So let's talk about this guy. Cause he is a warpsmith. He is a demon engine. Cause he's writing one. He's an HQ, 12 wounds, weapon skill, ballistic skill 2, uh, moves 12 inches has a 4 attacks base plus gets up to 5 additional attacks because the uh, Hellstalker basically like I said is a uh, it has bladed limbs and tail so it gets after the Lord Discordant makes his close combat attacks you can attack with his Hellstalker, make a number of additional attacks as shown in the damage table above using this weapon profile so he gets to do up Like, at full health, up to five extra attacks at strength seven AP minus two D3 damage. Hmm. Uh, And the main thing is, he makes vehicle units within six inches of him worse. He makes makes friendly demon engine attacks around him better. And when he kills vehicle units, he can heal demon engine units that are nearby. Because he's basically stealing their machine spirit and corrupting it and putting into a demon engine. So, if you're going Demon Engine heavy, if you want to do, uh, again, Iron Warriors, or if you just want to do something a bit different, it's an interesting character to have. And again, he's in the new Codex. Master of Executions was a new character they just revealed. He is basically an anti-character character. character. He's okay. I don't think he's anything amazing. He's got a, a... His axe is decent, and he can... He can heroically intervene closer to getting to, if it gets him to characters. He can, uh, once per fight phase, he can re roll wound, hit or wound rolls or damage rolls if he's going after characters. Hmm. But I don't know if you really need an anti character character when you're, like, your other characters are already good at killing characters. (laughs) And then there's, like, the changes to the Dark Apostle, which is interesting. Uh, so Dark Apostle used to basically be a chaplain, just had the, the same idea that, uh, you re-rolled, failed to, like, you could re-roll, failed to hit rolls if you were within, like, so many inches of a Dark Apostle. Now, he still has that ability, but it's not always on. It's considered a prayer. And in addition to that prayer, he gets to pick one additional prayer, which could, there's four God-specific prayers, and then there's six generic prayers that any Dark Apostle can have, and... At the uh, start of each battle round, you pick one of the prayers the model knows and roll a d6. On a 3-up, the prayer is heard and the effect happens until the next battle round. And the same prayer cannot be chanted more than once per battle round by any model in your army, whether it's heard or not. So no having three Dark Apostles and having bubbles of the same ability going off at once. But one of them is Dark Zealotry, which is re-roll hit rolls in the fight phase for attacks made by friendly, model- friendly un- Legion units within 6 inches of the Priest... And then there's other things like uh, subtract one from hit rolls from attacks with uh, ranged weapons that target anybody. You pick a unit within six inches of the priest and ranged weapons are at minus one to hit. Uh, Litany of despair. Uh, roll, your opponent rolls 2d6, discards the lowest result each time they take a morale test for a unit within six inches of a priest. Uh, add three to the priest's attack characteristics. And your weapons get AP minus f- your close combat weapons get AP minus four while the prayer is in effect. It's stuff like that. Uh, the sl- the specific ones like a Slanesh prayer, yeah, Slanesh priest only. If the prayer is heard, this priest can advance and charge in their on their turn in this battle round. Uh, Nurgle priest gets two to his toughness. A corn priest gets two to his strength. Zinch priest gets uh, re- uh, regains D three wounds. Although they do specify, unlike other prayers whose effects last only until the end of the battle round, wounds regained from this power are not lost again at the end of the battle round. Because that would (laughs) suck. It would be so zinchi, though. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Dark Apostles, basically, they traded consistency with flexibility.
3: Yeah. At least you don't have to spend a limited currency (laughs) to... To roll a die and yeah. see if you get an effect. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> like if if acts of like yeah again, it's like if acts of faith were free, I'm fine with having them being not always on. But if I have to pay for it, no, it should work. Um, they did update uh, chaos space marines and terminators because they added new weapon options, and also we we're getting new terminator models, so they wanted to f- feature fo- a photo of them in here. Yeah, the, the new option for uh, Chaos Space Marines, because the, you can have one in a squad or you can have have them in the Havoc Squad, is the uh, Reaper Chain Cannon, which is actually pretty sweet, I got to admit. So imagine a heavy bolter, and then we're going to take 12 inches of range off of it and get it down to 24 inches. But in exchange, it's going to have eight shots instead of three. Yeah,
3: I make that trade. Yeah. Sounds like a horde killer.
0: Yeah. Strength five, AP minus one, one damage each. And you can have four of them in a Havoc squad. Havoc's also got one extra little piece that was actually uh, revealed on the Warhammer community site. But they got a very important upgrade. Stabilization talons. They can move and fire heavy weapons without penalty. So that 24-inch range is now a 30-inch range because they can move six inches. So a unit of Slanesh Havocs with four of those can move up, fire, and then pay the stratagem to fire again. Thirty two of those shots twice.
2: How many CP is the stratagem?
0: Uh, it's like two.
2: Okay, that's if there's only one, I'm like, oh
0: my god. No gosh. No, it, no, it's in fact uh, I'll I'll double check. Endless Cacophony. yeah, it's two two command points. Use the stratagem at the end of your shooting phase, select a hereticist slanesh infantry or biker unit, the unit can immediately shoot again. So, yeah, 2 CP.
2: And this could go with, if we wanted to splash in Slanesh as our...
0: That, see, that's that's where I was going with that. Right. A unit of those, and then a unit of LAS cannons, or missiles, or what have you.
2: That just... Oh, wow.
0: Mm-hmm. And the cost on a Reaper chain can Now, it is 20 points per gun. For the Reaper Chain Cannon, last cannons are twenty five.
2: That's the same as like either three or four demon Hits.
0: <laughs> yeah, but what are three or four demon? If you need something that's going to deal with, oh, I know. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, it's yeah, a trade off. It is a trade off. Um, the Havocs themselves are fourteen points a model. That's not bad. No, so five of those. So five of those are going to be seventy, then plus the guns. So. A unit of chain cannons is going to be seventy plus. Is going to be one hundred and fifty.
2: That's not bad. That's for five. That's for five
0: because four chain cannons and then a aspiring champ in there. Yeah,
2: and then you do two squads of that. That's about three three fifty.
0: Well, yeah, one squad of those. And that's going to be one seventy for the last cannons because they're five. So three twenty. Yeah, for two, and then throw in, like I said, you could do a second squad. Uh, you could do another havoc squad. That's just all. That's a different kind of gun, like. Um, if you want to do missile launchers, there are 20 points as well. So that'd be another 150. And that would give you a range of options for deal. Like you've got, you can either do heavy shots against like big targets. You can do uh, frag missiles and the chain cannon against, uh, infantry, or you could take actually an even better one. I would take, instead of taking the missile launcher, uh, take auto cannons. They're only, uh, Reaper auto cannons are, Auto autocannons are ten a piece, they're even and cheaper, they and they're their strength so
2: seven many, hands. so many shots from those too, right?
0: Uh, auto cannons are, yeah, auto cannons heavy two, Str- okay, heavy two, forty eight inch range, strength seven, AP one, minus one, two damage.
2: Oh, that's where the okay.
0: So it'd be eight shots of those, and then four las cannon shots, and then thirty two rotor can.
2: <laughs> I love the rotor cannon—it's the one I like the best.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, but again, it's like you need—if you need to take something—that gives you a range of options for a what about a third, a quarter of your army, roughly, because it's going to be one fifty plus one fifty plus one seventy. Right? No, it'd be auto cannons would be uh, one because they're ten point. There'd be one ten for the auto cannons, one fifty for the rotor cannons, or you know, for the chain cannons, and then one seventy for the las cannons. And then the cost of a character, which, like I said, take a sorcerer with the jump pack.
2: Yeah, or maybe, well, you'd need all those squads. Well, first, first, if that's your spearhead. Th- right. I was thinking if you added in the demon princes, too. Well, the
0: demon princes you are already paying for, we knew we were going to take them in a Supreme Command detachment anyway. That's the same cost as the Chaos Demon ones.
2: Okay, just change the the change allegiance.
0: Which, well, change which fa- which book you right. take them out of. Right, but they're still slanesh, so you can still put them in the attachment. But they're Heretic Astartes, so you can slingshot them forward.
2: I follow. <laughs> yeah, see,
0: see, there was method to my madness. But no, that that chain cannon addresses a lot of the issues they have. Yeah, and they did update the havoc uh, stat line. It, Havoc's terminators, sprague uh, the space marines all are in. The uh, Vigilus Ablaze book. So, if you already have Vigilus Ablaze and you have the original Chaos Space Marine Codex and you have Shadow Spear, you have everything. You don't necessarily need the updated one, but the updated one is still nice to have all in one place. And I know that's one uh, complaint people have been having: is how many books am I supposed to carry around for my rules? Well. Unless you need the specialist detachments out of Vigil Sublaze, you can get away with just the new Chaos Space Marine Codex. And I I like that. And there's also the new detachment, the Stargate, I mean, Noctilith Crown. No, it's a Stargate. Look at it.
2: It looks like a crown just on its side. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And these are, like, fundamental to the plot of Vigil Sublaze. I don't want to spoil it too much because I know there's a lot of people that enjoy reading the campaign books and kind of... Addressing the story and approaching it themselves,
2: can you at least say what the item does in game?
0: I will tell you what the the item is set in in the story. Well, I'll tell you in the storyline. Abaddon is setting these all up on Vigilus because uh, this part I can tell without spoiling too much. So Blackstone, the thing that kept the Cadian gate open, that when he wrecked Cadia was like let the Eye of Terror go wild, um, and what all his crusades have been about up this point is destroying Blackstone cuz blackstone keeps the warp away. Well, it turns out blackstone can be polarized one way or another. Natural like it seems to naturally be anti-warp, anti-chaos, but you can polarize it to be pro-chaos and let it actually attract chaos energy to it. And so the Noctulith crowns are all chaos blackstone and he's brought a bunch of cra- a bunch of these crowns to be placed on the planet at certain el- instances, in an eight-pointed star because, of course, it is. <laughs> and once they're all in position and activated, the idea is they'll pull the whole planet into the warp and close off the, the gauntlet that uh, the Imperium's using to get from one side to the other.
2: So how about on the tabletop? What do they So do? on
0: the tabletop, it's a fortification. Psychers uh, attempting to manifest powers within 24 inches of this model will suffer perils on any double rather than sixes and ones. Uh, Chaos psychers are not affected by this ability, and that's all Chaos psychers. so demons would also be free. Uh, Loathsome Samora, Chaos units have a 5-up invuln save when, when they're wholly within 6 inches of the model. In addition, you can reroll Psychic tests for Chaos psychers within 6 inches of the model. At the start of the second and third battle rounds, the range of both of these auras increases by 3, so it becomes... 9 in the second battle round, 12 in the third, and all future battle rounds.
2: Wow, that, that's pretty impressive. Although, from seeing it, I was thinking it might be like the Eldar Warp Gate.
0: No, no, so. you don't teleport through it. It's just basically a psychic magnifier. Or just set up and put... Like, they show a have, like a unit of Havoc standing within 6 inches of it.
2: To give them the 5-up five bone. Five
0: and, uh, however, if it is reduced to 0 wounds... Um, It does explode on a 6 and does D6 mortal wounds to everything within D6 inches of it. But it has 14 wounds, tough 8, 3-up armor. And a 4-up ballistic skill because it does have a gun. It has a 6-inch lashing warp energies, pistol D6, strength 7, AP minus 2, 2 damage.
2: Ow, for being piddly, that actually packs a punch.
0: Yeah, if you get close to it, it will hurt you. And if you assault it, it will still keep trying to shoot it. So yeah it's it's an interesting i it's not one i would necessarily expect to see on the like competitive tabletop but it'd be really fun in an air in a like more casual I game bet
2: someone in a competitive game will b- bust one out and just like you said put a bunch of things that don't have invones around it that have long range
0: right and it's all chaos units which also should i mean it's demons it's I believe renegade knights have the chaos keyword i'll double check I don't, ha- I don't have. I don't have. But hey, that, that's
2: a way to get the Renegade Knight if they have that keyword. Well, five up pin
0: Well, technically, Renegade Knight already has a five up pinvol against shootings, so right? Not but not against melee. It. Not against melee. But if you're parking your, <laughs> I know, Renegade Knight next to this thing, <laughs> you're probably doing it wrong. Unless you're putting like
2: double gatling. doing
0: a f- well. No, unless you're doing like a f- uh, a fortification network where you're placing like three of these on different spots in the battlefield so you can move around. Oh, from wow. one, to, yeah. one bubble to the other. But the uh, the twenty four inch twenty four inch bubble of you perils on any doubles is kind of that that alone is a little bit scary.
2: I'll say yes and no. I said a little bit, (laughs) and and I only say that because I don't see as many non chaos psychers out there. And so, I mean, if both of us are playing chaos, it it really won't matter. Could hurt an Eldar army a bit. Oh yeah, Eldar. And that's about. I mean, sometimes a Librarian. Oh yeah, I forgot about NIDS.
0: Uh you s- you're seeing more orc warp boys around
2: lately. De jump's really popular. Yeah. Grey
0: Knights are screwed.
2: Yeah, but who ca- who cares if a warp boy blows up his head?
0: <laughs> well, the warp boy might. The warp boy one doesn't <laughs> the, feel the, anything. The orc player <laughs> who has it who who blows him up on the first de jump might be a little bit put, put out. And then there's also uh they added a uh, new st- they added a, an updated stat line for Skulltaker since there's a new model for him. If we're getting now, we're getting to Corn Demons, uh, a new Blade or Bloodmaster HQ, which is basically like a buffed up uh, Bloodletter, and uh, then a Skull Altar, which unfortunately Kevin's not here. Skull Altar, set it, after it's set up, a Skull Altar is treated as a terrain feature. It cannot move because it's a monument. If a Skull Altar is summoned using a demonic ritual because it is a corn demon that's only power level five, uh, if a Skull Altar is summoned using a demonic ritual and set up with its base touching the base of a corn demon infantry character that performed the ritual, you may immediately place that character on the Skull Altar's platform, the level area on top of the stairs. Um, Go on. Uh, the Model's locus of rage ability has a range of twelve inches instead of six when they're within a eight. While they're within eight inches of any skull
2: altars, which okay, that that sounds like math problem. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so it basically extends it out to twenty inches if you think about. If you're
2: within, if you're within eight, it goes up to twelve. Yes, instead of six. <laughs> and a train leaving Budapest, at five <laughs> o'clock.
0: The eastbound train. <laughs>
2: Which the eastbound havoc flying at oh.
0: <laughs> the rule for having um, the entire detachment made of corn, kind of oh, like uh, right. Locus of Rage. Yeah, that's it. Demonic. You can reroll charge rolls for corn demon units that are within six inches of a model with so Locus of Rage.
2: Just, and you just put one character on that, and then you got a bigger bubble.
0: No, the character doesn't have any character with that, uh, any of your characters with Locus of Rage, which is any of your demon characters.
2: Right, but I'm saying they when you summon that, the guy goes up on the top of the um, altar first. Right. And that's what generates the bigger effect. No, right? just
0: the just the altar being there. This oh, is a separate okay. rule.
2: That th- This
0: is, you can place it during deployment,
2: or you can summon it. So what's the point of having a guy on top of it?
0: No, it's just saying that that's where it shows up. Oh, gotcha. It shows if up, you appear, it. it appears underneath him, okay. and he sits on top. Fair
2: enough. I guess that's what was confusing me. I thought he was getting up on top and yelling at people to do better. Or right. run faster
0: Right And then uh, Subtract one from psychic tests Taken from psychers Within eight inches Of any skull altars uh, You can reroll Any of the dice You make when summoning Make a summoning roll For a corn character From your army That's within eight inches Of any skull ar- altars And if a corn demon Infantry character's base Is on a skull altars platform So there is a rule the Skull Altar is said to be occupied by that character. Improve his invulnerable save by one to a maximum of three. In addition, while a corn demon unit is wholly within six in- 16 inches of any occupied Skull Altars, add one to their attacks. See?
2: <laughs> Sacrifice a <laughs> so, guy to stand on there and look cute or something. He doesn't, he's not sacrificed. Well, he's not attacking the enemy with a sword. So no, no, that's true. You're sacrificing true. his attacks. You're sacrificing his <laughs>
0: attacks, but he buffs up everybody else's attacks. Any corn
2: demon? Yeah, gets I'll that. take that trade.
0: Yeah, And that's corn demons. So that would include uh, uh, demon engines from like world eaters. So and then you get into the specialist attachments, which you don't have to have vigilous uh, defiant to know these to know how specialist detachments work. Uh, they have one for bringers bringers of despair, which is for black legion terminators because that's Abaddon's personal uh, bodyguard but they can be used they don't have to be used with abaddon it can be used to protect any any black legion warlord uh the devastation battery which is uh technically for any legion but if you look at the which ones it is chaos lords warp smiths havocs and obliterators it's clearly meant for iron warriors um this one allows them to reroll ones uh for attack rolls if they're targeting vehicles so very this is very much the anti vehicle and anti vehicle anti building uh, specialist Attachment. Cult of the Damned uh, wh- for your uh, word bearers. Not specifically word bearers, but Dark Apostles, Dark Disciples, Chaos Cultists. Oh, by the way, Chaos Cultists got a new rule. Sort of. Kind of.
3: There's lots of sort of, kind of, maybes in this episode. Yeah,
0: well, it's a... It's a I say sort of, kind of, maybe. It's not a rule on chaos cultists, but it's a rule that affects chaos cultists.
3: Chaos is fickle.
0: Chaos is fickle. But no, this one does actually apply to all chaos uh, cultists. Cultists never gain the benefit of legion traits.
2: That makes right. sense, though. Yeah,
0: the, the mere mortals rule. Chaos cultists do not gain a legion trait, which, I mean, yeah, like you said, it makes sense. They're not the Heretic Astartes. They're just guys following the Heretic Astartes around. Yeah,
2: if, if, if you want to be a cultist and get a trait, join a Gene Stealer cult.
0: <laughs> They're the only ones
2: that do.
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, Cult of the Damned uh, improves charge rolls. Uh, lets your cultists automatically pass morale for one CP. Use the stratagem when an enemy model is dist- and an, any enemy model just one is destroyed by an attack made by a Cult of the Damned Chaos Cultist unit from your army in the fight phase. That Chaos Culti- Chaos Cultist unit automatically passes morale tests for the rest of the battle. <laughs>
2: Oh, wow. That's useful.
0: And keep in mind that interacts with Tide of Traitors, which removes the unit and sets it back up on the battlefield at its full starting strength. So you can still only use it once per game because they eroded that a while back. But yeah, so here's the unit of Cultists. They're almost worn down to nothing. I will bring them back and they're still immune to morale at that point. Demonkin ritualists, because uh, demonkins are fun. Apparently, uh, dark apostles, dark disciples, masters of possession, possessed, and greater possessed. Um, they get a warlord trait of uh, your attacks do mortal wounds when you roll an unmodified w-
2: wound roll of six. In addition, or the wound gets becomes mortal. In addition, ouch! That's yeah. very snipery.
0: Yeah, although you've got to do it in close combat because that all those pr- it, it has to be an attack made with a melee weapon. And then they get, like, a stratagem for add one to the strength of attacks units. Uh, You pick a... A lot of these are really clumsy. Pick a Demonkin Ritualist demon unit from your army that is within six inches of a Demonkin Ritualist's master possession. Add one to the strength and attacks characteristics of models in the unit that you picked until the end of the phase. Okay, fine. Yeah. So, Soulforged Pack, which is warps warsmiths and demon engines the host raptorial which is anything with a jump pack from a particular from your legion of choice which uh their warlord trait add two to the charge rolls made for friendly host raptorial units while they're within six inches of your warlord so having uh, up to a 14 inch charge is pretty handy well you still have to target somebody within 12 inches but having a much better chance of getting there is good Ooh, I like their relic, though, for the host raptorial. Chiropter and Wings. Use a roll a D6 for each enemy unit that was moved across by the bear in the movement or charge phase. Which you're not allowed to... I thought you couldn't use fly in the charge phase anymore. Didn't they specify that? Well, that fly only applied in the movement phase? That was in... Uh, how's that worded again? Roll a D6 for every enemy unit that was moved across by the bear in the movement or charge phase. But fly only lets you avoid intervening models in the movement phase. They eroded that a while back. That's actually like rulebook errata.
2: Could it be that this was designed before? Probably.
0: Probably. On a four-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds.
2: Took grenades as you fly over like swooping hawks.
0: Yeah. But that's something that needs to be addressed because you can't actually do it during the charge phase. So we'll see if that gets eroded Quickly too, but yeah, this is one of this is one of the downsides of what we like about them keeping the rules updated and trying to fix balance and such is that you end up with books that were in the cha- the production pipeline before those changes got made, but were too late to change before the changes got made.
2: Which is why we get day zero. Yep, <laughs> or at least two week. Uh, right? Yeah, the, the errata shortly after the book. Right?
0: Fallen angels because they at you know they want to focus on the fallen again. Let's see. Use the stratagem when choosing your army. You can you can include sorcerers and chaos rhinos in a vanguard detachment. that includes only fallen units. If so, they replace their Mark of Chaos, Heretic Astartes, and Legion keywords with the Imperium and Fallen keywords, which means if you have Cypher in your army as your warlord, he has the Imperium keyword, he can summon an assassin. That is true. That is very true. So you could have an assassin in a chaos army. Or Well, not even Cypher. If you just had a, a Chaos Sorcerer as your warlord, who is Fallen...
2: Well, it's because the Fallen aren't technically not in the Imperium anymore.
0: Depends on who you ask. <laughs> but I think that's that's kind of an interesting little... Depends on the day. Depends on the day. <laughs> How are we feeling today? I'm feeling a little less chaos today. <laughs> Let's see. Fallen Sorcerers also replaced their Death to the F- False Emperor ability with the Fallen Angel's ability from the Fallen sheet. Uh, Pick a Fallen detachment from your army to be a Fallen Angel Specialist detachment. Fallen units in that detachment gain the Fallen Angels keyword. If Cypher is included in a Fallen Angel Specialist detachment, he gains the following ability. So it's not even a Warlord trait. This is just an ability he gains. Enemy units within 12 inches of Cypher cannot use any abilities, Warlord traits, or Relics that allow them to gain, return, or refund command points. The range of this ability (laughs) is increased to 18 inches when there are 10 or more other friendly Fallen Angels models within 12 inches of Cypher. The range of this ability is increased instead increased to 24 inches when there are 20 or more other friendly Fallen Angels models within 12 inches of Cypher.
2: So if your army is that, you just pack a bunch of people around him and like... Yeah, if you make
0: make a Fallen... If you have Cypher as an HQ and... Because I believe he's still in...
2: See, now we're checking each See, time. now we're checking, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, Cypher. Uh, Cypher is an HQ. He can be your warlord. It doesn't say he can't. So, so yeah, you could have Cypher and a sorcerer and three units of Fallen at... Three or more units of Fallen in Rhinos. But they ac- have access to the heavy weapons list, so you can have Re- a Reaper Chain Cannon <laughs> Fallen. But, yeah, you could, you could easily build, like... Thirty or more fallen. Yeah, because fallen can be up to 10 per, 10 per squad, and you could have yeah. So you could do a vanguard of fallen. Really, you would take it. You would take this to have cipher in there and get this ability. That's that's the whole reason this thing exists. Otherwise, their only ability, other ability is pick a fallen angels unit from your army that is entirely within on or within any terrain feature. Subtract one from hit rolls for attacks that target that unit until the end of the phase it's not bad it's not terrible, but you're taking this so you can take cipher and screw somebody's ability to regain command points see and then you get uh, legion of skulls, which is for corn demons and then uh that those are all the specialist attachments and then there's a bunch of uh, it basically remember the black legion like mini or like specific codecs like they had like kind of like they had uh wa and uh the Farsight enclaves yeah uh the Black Legion, a lot of those rules are back in 8th edition in this book. But only in this book. The, these are not in the Chaos Space Marine Codex 2. But they added 8 new stratagems just for Black Legion. They added 6 relics just for Black Legion. Uh, 6 warlord traits just for Black Legion. 6 tactical objectives just for Black Legion. So, yeah, it is pretty, pretty much a, a mini-codex that just like, sits on top of the Chaos Space Marine Codex. Here's one. 3 CP for world killers. Use the stratagem at the start of any battle round. Until the end of that battle round, enemy units cannot use any abilities that allow them to control an objective marker if there are any Black Legion units from your army within three inches of the objective marker. So, like, you... Uh, so, basically, Black Legion control all objective markers if they're within three inches of it, and that shuts down, like, all variations of objective secured. For a turn. Or, for a, you know, for a battle round. It costs three CP to do that, but if that means the difference between winning and losing the game... Yeah, can can only totally... do
2: it on the last battle round anyway. Well, it depends on the on how the missions oh, are scored. Oh, that's right, because, yeah, if it's progressive and you've got an objective you're trying to hold, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, merciless fighters, uh, start your fight phase for one CP, pick a Black Legion unit from the army. If that unit has more models than there are enemy models within three inches of it, so if you're outnumbering that your opponent, add one to all your all your attacks, or add one to your attack's characteristics, so an extra attack. Uh, tip of the Spear, they've actually released this one on the website. Use the stratagem at the start of your first shooting phase. You can reroll hit rolls for the Black Legion unit from your army that is closest to an enemy unit until the end of the phase. If several units are equidistant, you can pick, one who, pick which one's affected. Legacy of Horus, use the stratagem at the start of the morale phase until the end of the phase add one to the leadership characteristics of Legion, except Black Legion units from your army while while they are within six inches of any Black Legion units. So if you're playing a mixed army for any reason, it makes the other army better. And then let the Galaxy Burn use the stratagem when a Black Legion infantry or biker unit from your army is picked to attack in the shooting or fight phase. You can reroll all hit rolls of one for that unit for the rest of the phase. If the unit is a Chaos Space Marines unit, meaning it is specifically... Just regular Chaos Space Marines. Uh, you can reroll hit rolls for it instead. So term. So if any infantry or biker get to reroll ones. Just plain Jane Chaos Space Marines reroll everything. And then really the last thing that they focus on in the book, which I think is kind of cool, is a mini codex for Renegade Chapters. So for uh, specific ones that are at the battle on Vigilus.
2: So, oh, so it's not like a create-your-own... No,
0: no. It is It is specifically for the Red Corsairs, the Crimson Slaughter, the Scourged, Brazen Beasts, Flawless Host, and the Purge. And again, Chaos Cultists don't gain any of these. Uh, Red Corsairs, uh, units with this trait can advance and charge in the same turn. In addition, if a detachment contains three or more units with this trait, the detachment's command benefits are increased by one command point. Increased by three if you have three or more units of Chaos Space Marines. So, again, if you have just plain standard Chaos Space Marine, which which is just the actual unit Chaos Space Marines. So, like, your <coughs> battalion will be worth eight command points rather than five.
3: They're doing some work to try and get people to take regular Chaos Space Marines. They
0: really are. <laughs> uh, Crimson Slaughter... If the unit with this trait destroys an enemy unit, roll a D6. On a 5-up, you gain a command point. In addition, that unit automatically passes morale tests until the end of the turn. (laughs) Purge, reroll hit rolls for attacks made by units with this trait that target enemy units that have lost one or more wounds already this turn. Scourged, reroll one hit roll for an attack made by a model in a unit with this trait each time it shoots or fights. So, isn't one of the, the Death Skulls that have that? Where it's like they're the lucky
3: ones. Yeah, I think that's how that works.
0: Yeah, basically, one yeah one hit roll for an attack amongst the whole unit. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. In addition, when a unit with this trait fires Overwatch, they successfully hit on a roll of five up instead of six. So they're (laughs) they are Tau and Death Skulls. I've seen some you know somebody brought up a good point on this, and I can't remember where I saw it, but I'm not going to claim the idea by myself. But it's a really good observation that the the that Death Skull's ability and that now the Scourged ability. It's a free command point for every unit if you think about it. Yeah, it's a free hit roll for mm-hmm. every every unit every time they attack. The economy on that is fantastic, even though it's you know it's one attack on one guy. It's it's never a command point where you'd actually spend it, but if you think about it,
3: yeah.
0: Uh, Brazen beasts. Every time you make a wound roll of six up for an attack made by a model with this trait. In the fight phase during a turn in which it was charged, it charged, was charged, or heroically intervened, that hit is resolved with AP-4. And then Flawless Host, each time you make a hit, hit roll of 6 up for an attack made by a model with this fight trait in the fight phase, it can immediately make an extra attack at the same, t- same unit using the same weapon, in addition to any extra attacks granted by Death to the False Emperor. So their mm. attacks always explode, no matter who they're fighting they have their own warlord traits each one of them has a stratagem Uh, all life is worth all life is worthless lets you shoot at somebody who's in assault with one of your own units (laughs) because the purge hate all life and they want to kill everything so they don't care if they shoot their own friends Uh, more where they came from remember how you're saying they really want people to use chaos space marines (laughs) red corsairs basically get uh, tide of traders with chaos space marines nice not limited to once per game well for yeah it still costs three cp but i'd re- I, that would almost make you want to run like the big blob squads of chaos space marines if you could bring one back at 20 cp or you know at 20 20 models you know full strength for three cp and then they each also get a they get a relic it, i mean it's all pretty much you know standard standard kind of relic stuff none of them really jump out at me uh and then like i said i don't want to spoil too much on the plot but uh uh yeah basically, Abaddon's bringing these noctolith crowns to uh, Vigilus. Turns out the mechanicus knows what Blacks- Blackstone does. obviously they've been studying it for a while. There's big reserves of it on the planet. Uh, uh, Abaddon wants to destroy th- destroy what's there and then put these gates in place to close up the uh, close up the passage. Um, the orcs are still there being orky and driving around and causing trouble. Uh, apparently because the Gene Stealer cults are so good at hiding themselves, the sorcerers of the Black Legion's attack did not see them, there, did not realize they were there. So when they drop into some of the hives that are overrun by Gene Stealer cultists, suddenly the fighting is way worse than they thought it would be. <laughs> at least three of the continents on here end up having to be abandoned by the Imperium because they're just overrun by one thing or another. Because the Death Guard are still there spreading spreading disease, the cults are still there; that's problematic. The Dark Eldar are still at uh, fighting in the near the one webway gate on the planet. The Thousand Suns also come through the same webway gate because they know about it. And they end up fighting, and uh, this one is a nice little side bit. Apparently, they summon a uh, Keeper of Secrets to fight the Dark Eldar, and the Dark Eldar run
2: <laughs> as they should. <laughs>
0: They run away, but but I will say this because this is kind of a side bit that doesn't affect the main story too much. So it turns out because like on Vigilus, water is very rare. But there's this like large ice cap on the planet called Calyx Bane that was found by the guy named after the guy that discovered it and then froze to death there called Calix. Turns out it's a uh, terra- it's the result of a terraforming device that lowers the air temperature to make the water condense and freeze. So while they're fighting the uh, Thousand Suns. Before they leave, the Dark Eldar kick on the terraform. They find the terraforming device and kick it on to full power, and freezes the Thousand Suns in place, and then run away. So now there's a giant ice cube on the planet, full of Thousand Sun Rubric Marines. Sounds fitting, yeah. Oh, and
3: They're not dust anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now they're still just they're still just dust rattling around inside these are <laughs> <laughs> suit. In so they're just trapped there until this thaws. If <laughs> if if it ever thaws, yeah. But yeah, the um the fight goes on. Uh, the Imperium gets involved. The Eldar get involved. There is a truce between the Eldar and the Imperium.
2: There always is.
0: Well, and they even <laughs> mentioned that it wouldn't have happened if Gulliman hadn't had it, hadn't worked with the Inari. Like nobody would have accepted this. And even ever, all the other chapters are like. Mmm, I, I, I don't know about this one. I don't know how if I'm cool with this, but Calgar... Because, you know, remember, Gilliman's not there. It's Calgar that's holding this down. And they eventually come up with a plan that involves... Well, there's a number of moving parts that have to pull it off correctly, and it requires a distraction, and...
2: And read the book to find and, out. Yeah,
0: read the book to find out. But it requires a distraction, a lot of missiles... And an Eldar stealth ship, and I'll let you uh, figure out the rest.
2: I'm just waiting until I get my Eldar stealth ships on the table.
0: Um, this is a spaceship, so it would have to be in, like, Battlefleet Gothic. Darn. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, this does invo- involve some uh, void fighting, too. So, Also, somebody pointed out, I think on uh, Bell of Lost Souls, because they, they provide the lists of all the, the forces that were present there. Uh, like the Black Legion, Death Guard, World Eaters, Thousand Sons, Iron Warriors, Alpha Legion, Word Bearers, Night Lords, Flawless Host, Crimson Slaughter, the Purge, the Scourge, Brazen Beasts, the uh, Traitor Legio Titanicus, so they brought Titans to Vigilus, and then the Hereticus Militarum. So we might finally <laughs> that, start getting hints of Traitor Guard. That
2: sounds like Traitor Guard that, to me.
0: Yeah, I hope we get... Tra- um, they did just... Oh, we didn't talk about this last time. The... Uh, they announced a new uh, expansion box for Blackstone Fortress that has a Traitor Commissar and a Chaos Ogrin in it. Yeah. So we now have an HQ for our Traitor Guard that are in uh, that are in Blackstone Fortress. So maybe eventually we'll see a Traitor Guard army book. It, Possibility. Well, you know, Lost in the Damned has been in the game for a long time in some some form or other. It's. I'm not going to say
3: it's more likely. I'm just going to say it's less unlikely. unlikely? Yeah, because th- <laughs> they
2: did make that one unique bounty hunter for, um,
0: for a Necromunda.
2: Yeah, for Necromunda. The squat. Yeah.
0: See, so it it's a thing that could happen. It is absolutely a thing. And you know, yeah, Forge World doesn't really sell the model. Like, I don't know if they even still sell the the bits. I think they, that was some of the stuff they retired was a lot of their like uh trader guard
2: bits which that might be a sign into itself too that it would be going to
0: plastic. Yeah. It that is a that is a a book that Chaos players would love to have access to. And if they have access to even half the stuff that guard has.
2: And then could we get the unlucky 32? The
0: <laughs> <laughs> the negative CP battery. It sucks your opponent's CP so that would be stupid good on the field. Uh yeah, so I mean, I know this has been kind of a rapid, o- top-level overview. Uh, we could definitely dig into these more in the future. I'd like to do it when Kevin's here, because... Yeah, he is definitely yeah. our-, He's our... He's the one who's been playing Chaos most recently, but we lost him due to technical difficulties, so... And, again, this doesn't cover, like... like- they're, they mention like World Eaters and Alpha Legion. There's nothing really rules here for uh, w- rules wise here for them. Although there there is fluff for them. Emperor's children don't show up, so I'm sad. Flawless host is there, which is also Slanesh, but it's just not the same. <laughs> I can't run I can't run Lucius with them, so it doesn't count. Uh, so we'll dig into more of these. Maybe we can, you know, add, we've got some other things. Like other kinds of episodes, we want to do because hopefully the codex releases have slowed down a bit. I think I don't know if I don't think anybody was expecting a re-released Chaos Space Marine codex.
2: I was not.
0: So I do like that they've made that available. Um, They're obviously replacing. So you know the old ones are going to go away on shelves and be replaced with the new one, which is cool for new players. They'll come in. They'll have the right book right out the gate. So that's good. I do like. I, I like the the read of Vigilus Ablaze, although I will make this observation. I don't know if it moved the plot forward as much as I would have liked it to, but I'll yeah, leave it at that. Yeah, not enough Eldar. No, the Eldar, I would say actually just the right amount of Eldar for me. <laughs> for you. For me. Just the right amount of Eldar.
3: Too much Eldar for me. Well, yeah, I know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> they showed up.
0: <laughs> but... Uh, but no, I, I, we will, you know, there's, like I said, there's other episodes we want to do uh, about, um, like, we, we still need to get to the topic of units that we'd love to see on the battlefield if they were only just a bit better or tweaked a little bit. And like Seracneo. We've <laughs> already addressed that issue. Too many points. Way too many points. Uh, but I think, you know, maybe this is a, you know, looking at having this new Chaos Space Marine Codex, we can kind of examine have any of these been addressed in this book. But, uh but no, we will we will come back to these in, in the future. Uh, I just want to, again, keep the episode relatively short so we can get it edited to you in a decent amount of time. And again, with Kevin on board, since he has actually been playing Chaos Space Marines at events recently. So uh, without his feedback here, it's not as good as I would have liked, but uh, we'll we'll do our best. Uh, so that'll take us over to Hobby Progress, and I'm going to go straight to Richard, because he's been doing his while we've been recording.
3: Yep. It's really all I've... I haven't really had much time since the last we recorded to, to do anything, so I actually broke out when they released the the two buggies that were in the Speed Freak box uh-huh. individually. It reminded me, oh, hey, I haven't put mine together yet, so I've been working on, on putting together my shock jump drag to right now.
2: I'm going to say that I am actually looking forward to seeing some Speed Freaks armies on the tables because those just look amazing.
0: Hey, I was watching you put together the uh, the teleporta or shock attack <laughs> engine in the back and how many individual pieces it was to get that kind of layered teleporter ball effect going.
3: Yep. I, I actually had to put it together and take it apart again because <laughs> I didn't put it together quite right.
0: It's Orky. Who can tell? Well, yeah. <laughs> When the pieces don't fit together right for the model, that's when you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dennis, you have been working on Custodes. Stuff.
2: I've still, yeah, Custodes are my big project. Um, and Project Orion, I went ahead and since we talked, it's probably going to be best for me to prime and paint it in pieces and then put them together at the end. Uh-huh. Especially since these the whole interior of the ship that you can open the back door and see. Yeah. So... I got the wings primed and the weapons primed, but the top and bottom of the hull, um, I've am i hulled off on because it's just, it doesn't fit right. And I tried sanding and doing some on the sides, and it's no, it's the connect, two of the connection points up front are just like a twelfth or a sixteenth of an inch too wide on each side. Uh-huh. So I'm going to have to file those down, but it's not going to be an easy file. I'm going to have to try and like saw them down because those are big chunks of resin.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that is something that uh, a razor saw. Yeah. And so have I have
2: you... one ordered. Yeah. So it should get here next week and then I will continue my progress because this thing just looks really cool. And it I, does. I, I, wa- I want to see it done and I want to do a decent job on getting it painted. And I will say this about GW's um, gold retributor armor primer. When I was putting it on there, I tried to use the quick, thin things, but I noticed that it looked at a couple spots it was maybe pooling, Uh and it got me nervous. But then when I checked on it after it dried, no, everything was smooth. I was like, wow, I, I, I am still impressed by the GW Retributor Gold Primer.
0: It yeah, is. no. Th- I, everything I've heard about their primers, it, it's expensive. But oh, it's it, but, super
2: expensive. Oh my gosh! But, but,
0: but the quality, is, yeah, it, it's 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 definitely there. And I'm wondering if that carries over to all their colored primers. But uh,
2: I don't know. As the only one I've tried has been the gold. If you're doing custodes though
0: there's oh, yeah. custodes or like if you're playing Age of Sigmar you've got Stormhost.
2: or my sister's of st- silence take yeah. this one too.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> if you're if you're priming if you want to do gold as your base coat, there's very few choices that are better.
2: I can't think of any. Yeah,
0: and I and I have yet to find an airbrush gold that's quite right, quite the right match for retributor gold and GW doesn't put out a Retributor gold airbrush paint, so right. So if I ever painted any, it's the point where like I have some Stormcast Eternal models, and I'm like, maybe I might do them in an alternate color scheme because they won't prime, They won't look as good. Like I won't have a good way to prime them yeah. gold and paint them all over without having like brush streak. Because that's the other thing is that like, spray. It's such a smooth finish,
2: right? And, and that's the other thing that I'm gonna have to brush off my skills on is the Orion is so big. That if I try and paint it with brushes, you will see brush strokes. Yeah. So uh, it is definitely going to be an airbrush project type thing to work on. Yeah. yeah. And I have a goal to get it done by, what, I said, June? June. June. Are you going to try to take it to uh, Show Me Showdown? I'm going to try and take it to Show Me Showdown. And if I don't, well, then I'll fall back on the army I tried to take last year and left it home. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but they got me to play Custodes, and so then I can just say I played Custodes two years.
0: And it only cost you $400 later to buy an Orion because you like playing Custodes.
2: No, that wasn't... why. I, I do like the Orion, but But yeah. you do like playing Custodes, though. Oh, Custodes are a ton of fun until you start failing your saves, and then they're... Well, they're, they're off the table, so you're still having fun, but you're dead. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's see. I did not get much chance to do any painting, partially because I spent a week editing, editing our last episode, but um, I've started putting together Shadow Spear models. Um, I really... You know they are monopose, so converting them would be very tricky in, in some cases. But uh, they go together really well. Um, as so far, I've put together the master possession went together super fast. The obliterator's went together. I'm surprised how many pieces the obliterator's are though. That like their legs are each each leg is so there's like their torso is two pieces front and back, and then or. And that includes the backs of their legs, and then the front of each leg is a piece. Kind.
2: Of. I've had some models like that, yeah. too.
0: And then their arms are like two pieces each. The guns on their shoulders are generally about two pieces each, because like, they, they're doing like the so the barrel is empty, like kind of clamshell effect. Uh, the, the heads are separate, that the, the butt plate is a separate piece on both of them. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, d- I don't know why, but I mean the total effect when they're put together, they look great. Uh, it's just it it surprised me how many pieces there are in them. Uh, the Greater Possessed go together really quickly. I haven't put together the standard Chaos Space Marines yet. They're the ones I'm like I'm least interested I mean I I still like them. I just. They're my least focused because they're not the new thing. I'm in the middle of putting together the Venom Crawler, and it's as weird as it looks, it's going together pretty easily. Um, one thing I have noticed, and I don't know if it's because they're monopose or not, but they're the, and it may just be the one I got, the mold lines are a little bit more noticeable on some pieces. Because normally, like a lot of their, their, their newer multi part kits, the, mold lines are set up in such a way that they're always hidden by other pieces Mm -hmm. and they're not in this case. So I've had to do a little bit more cleanup than I have in, on previous models, but I mean, it's not terrible, but it's like, if you're wanting to paint these up to like a really high standard, you're definitely going to have to go through and spend your time to double check them from mold lines and clean them up. Most of the, and like your sprue connection points will need to be cleaned up. Some of them are a little bit hard to get to, so I like had to clip them off the sprue higher up and then clean it up closer to the model. Just, just some things to be aware of when you're putting this together. Um, I haven't tried putting together any of the Primaris Vanguard yet, but I figured their marine models, they'll go together pretty simply and they're not going to be like ridiculous tentacles and spikes everywhere. So they'll be much easier to put together. Um, and then, uh, I, speaking of Shadow Spear, I do want to put I do want to make a couple of announcements. Um, Midwest Conquest, as always, is uh, coming up uh, Memorial Day weekend. And so we have figured out what we are raffling off for charity. At least some of it. We may have more coming. But uh, two things we are definitely raffling off for charity. One is a Black Templar's army painted by by yours truly. Uh, this is the a Black Templar's army I have been collecting over the last few years. It's probably about 3,000-some points of it. Uh, and it does include all, like, the named characters. And so it's got the Emperor's Champion. It's got High Marshal Helbrecht. It's got Chaplain Grimaldus. and it's got Terminators, uh, Crusader Squads, Neophytes, Rhinos, Razorbacks, Land Raider, uh, Storm Raven, Storm Talons. It's got all of that included as well as, uh, KR Cases. Or that is being raffled off for charity. And then, in addition, we are going to have a Black Legion Intro Force featuring the contents of Shadow Spear plus Abaddon, the Abaddon the Despoiler, the new Abaddon model, which is just coming out. I think this this weekend. I think is.
3: Uh, a- I think it's. Or he went up for pre order this went week. He went up for pre order this That's week. That's right. He
0: went he goes up for pre order this week. So, uh, yeah, that the new model from Abaddon or the new model of Abaddon will be the centerpiece of this force. We might be able to add more to it as, as we go, depending on if, like, if we get any do- uh, more charitable donations. If anybody wants to chip in, we'd we love to have the, have the additional support on this mo- on this army uh, and i want to you know the so the shadow spear portion is being provided uh as a donation by uh, peculiar games and hobbies uh they provide a lot of our prize support for uh, midwest conquest and we're really happy to have them on board and then uh their reps actually they talk to their rep at gw and gw is providing the abaddon so for for the raffle. so. Uh, it won't be painted by Duncan Rhodes. We're not that cool.
2: But we're, <laughs> Man, if it was. Oh, that, that would, would be, be like... so
0: awesome. But no, that that's like a Nova Open or Adepticon kind of thing. We don't rate that yet. But we are getting uh, an Abaddon provided by GW for for our charity raffle. Very so cool. So that is awesome. Uh, so, and uh, we will try to have KR cases for that as well. So if you win that, you can take that home with you. And like I said, if uh, with the new kits coming out, Terminators, Chaos Space Marines, Havocs, if anybody wants to add in on that, uh, we might even add. Uh, I think the si- the scale of the like chosen from Dark Vengeance is about the same size as the new Chaos Space Marine. So, and they've got the same look. So, if anybody wants to add that in, like maybe we'll throw in a Hellbrute or something like that. We'll have a Black Legion force. Uh, for, for you to win as well so uh, you have to be present to win um, uh, sign ups are still open for Midwest Conquest and they'll be open all the way up until like the day before and we can even take some people day of the GT is over halfway full at this point which is really good we normally get our big push in May so having it yeah. h- over halfway full in March is really cool um, the friendly is about halfway full at this point as well uh, there's still about uh I think the Horse Heresy event is about a third full. Uh, If you're interested in a 30K, if you want to play Black Legion back when they were Sons of Horus, that is still totally a thing you can do and sign up for that. And then, of course, we've got Kill Team, which we won't be using Kill Team (laughs) Arena because can't afford it. And, but we'll do a Kill Team and uh, our Night Joust also will be going on. So you can sign up for all of those at MidwestConquest.com. You can buy your tickets for the event at UnderConGaming.com. And uh, we'll have more details as we get closer to the event. Kevin is not here, but I can tell you he is working on some very cool prize support for the event. Something that we've never had before. You've just maybe seen at a few events, but we're going to have our own versions of it. Um, and. We'll reveal more when we're ready to reveal it, but I'm really excited about some of the stuff he's doing. And he's also been printing out some cool terrain for us as well. So uh, while he can't be with us here to help in person, he is definitely cranking stuff out to help with the event. So we're excited about that. Also, um, Battle Battle Cap Markers is doing our our objective markers again, although we're doing uh, something a bit different this time. We're excited to have that. We've seen some early proofs. They look fantastic, and we can't wait to have them on the tables for both our GT and our friendly games. So... Um, so, uh, with that, I think that wraps up episode 192.
2: Um, wow, eight more till 200,
0: eight more till 200. And we have, we have some plans possibly in motion for something special for 200, something very special. So, uh, stick with us until then. Eight more episodes, about 16 weeks, four, four months, months, four months, uh, sometime in July. I think, uh, we'll have something special coming up and oh we'll, God. Well, that's when that's when we're planning on doing the thing we're doing. So we'll, I we may I think we'll leave it as a surprise until two hundred. But we have plans for two hundred. So stick with us till stick with us till then, and uh, we'll have something cool for you. So until until next time, I'm Rob,
2: Kevin, Dennis, (laughs) Aaron, Richard.
0: (laughs) You gave him the high pitched voice, dude. Why?
2: I don't think I can imitate his normal voice.
0: No, no, I was just going to leave him off, but that's too good to not deep in. So <laughs> good night, good gaming, and I'm sorry, Kevin. <laughs>